Hi, this is Jerome Pena, artist for 7 to Eternity, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Chunky. That was a chunky one. Chunky in a good way? Always in a good way, yeah. Well, I thought it was wonderful. Okay. I mean, it can be, I usually fold it over to get it chunky, but that's cool. You know, I know it was dropped as a brief aside during the beginning uh, of our last episode, but I don't think I've had more fun at work than watching all of the listeners give Jason shit for not knowing who Rush was. That's definitely my the favorite part of my week. Well, I, I mean, it makes me a teeny bit sad that you take such joy in my pain, but <laughs> but I know you you uh you live a uh, a hard knock life these days, so I'll I'll give you that. I'm glad I'm I'm glad I brought joy to you in some way. So much fun. And and they backed it up with hard evidence too. You you love this Ready Player One thing, and, and <laughs> yeah, it's funny too because now I can hear that song. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm having all the fun again. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Ah, uh, you know, I I, I, I live to please you. You don't, but that's okay. You do vicar. You do in other ways. Even when you don't try to please me, you please me. So it's a good thing. Uh, th- there's never a day that I try not to please you. Except on the day when you told me you didn't like Next Wave. <laughs> Update. Still don't like it. <laughs> Update. I still don't like Rush. <laughs> How could, no, wait a minute. They're two different things. One is a universal good and one of one of is... Right, uh, one is universally loved, the other is Rush. The other one's foul. Were you uh, you got your tickets for the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, Vince? Nope. It's your spot. Howard Stern's going to induct Bon Jovi. That's great. Moody Blues. No cars. Jay, no Jay Giles. No Vince B. That's the um... that's the line in the sand. Yep. Wow. It's ridiculous go. that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. I agree it's with ju- you. Then. It's just plain stupid. So, but who's I... the intro tonight? Sneaker pimps. Portishead. Going in. Uh, let's see. Oh, Merciful Fate. Okay. <laughs> King Diamond. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Family Ghost? I can't say who's going out. Oh, okay. Yeah. I want I want to... going out like that. Wanted to be... <laughs> wanted to be a surprise for the people who actually listen to the end and don't look oh, at the is show. Is it Rush? Sh- no, it's not. <laughs> I sh- <laughs> shaving cream be nice and clean hey everybody it's 11 o'clock comics episode 528 no, what nine wait par- pardon <laughs> we got together Sunday, we're not bro. we're not gonna <laughs> no we're knocking them out so fast yeah uh dude colin was like wait a minute you just did you just recorded an episode i'm like I on know. sunday he's like you guys do too many of these. I'm like, <laughs> never, dude. I'm yes, like, we do, by the moon. Oh, I'm, like the, I'm like, the patrons demand it. Yes. Uh, I was instructed to inform you. Uh-oh. Who? That, you, Jason. Oh. That it is not one solo win. It is four. 
Oh, respect to the That's family. what my son told he he goes, Yeah, do me a favor. Tell tell your Jason friend it's not one. No, 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 no. It's four. Four. And I'm like, Okay. Respect my bad. You know, whatever. Um no, and we are great. talking about Fortnite. The kids are going crazy over it. But I'm well, Vince... for an update, Colin has still has zero. Just for that. For that. Oh, that's terrible. Oh. Let's get him let's see if we can get him one. <laughs> Um, and it's no, it's not episode 528. It's I was looking at the wrong page in my Evernote. It's episode 529, and I'm Vince B. See, and it's it's cool that my Evernote goes from 527 because that's when I was all set for last week. I didn't have much time to do anything for 528 in Evernote since it was a weekend. Uh, But I do have notes for 529, and I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I'm coming at at you from the great cosmos beyond. I am Stephen Hawking. (laughs) I don't remember Stephen Hawking stuttering. I'm I'm oh, coming no. at you. That's a lot of talk. <laughs> no, here yeah, is, I was going to say. Know. I mean, do you really want <laughs> me to be Stephen Hawking? No. Do you really want to hear my Stephen Hawking impersonation? No, because I want we'll, you to we'll be probably here. Probably lose a thousand listeners. It's a it's a phenomenal loss, is what it is. Is it though? Yes, yes, it is. But is it really though? That I never expected, and they're like, "Yo, man, I'm kind of bummed about Stephen." I'm like, "Dude, what have you ever shown any interest in anything that had to do with shit beyond your front door?" And you're like, "You're coming up to me is like." You're, you're gutted. I sort of got to be honest. It's a me too like, thing, Dap. No, I got to be honest. Like my my seeds were asking me about about today, like why he was so important, and I was able to tell them. But it, it, I don't know that it really even resonated as I was just telling them that. I mean, in the sense that, you know, I mean, listen. Any time the world loses a a legitimate uh, science scientist of of renown, that that sucks because we're in a world that increasingly disavows science. But, um, I mean, you know, he kind of took care of most of his business a long time ago. He did. But as a figurehead, as a, uh, an, an identity around which to rally. He's, that's, I'm with you there. Yes. Yeah, he he, he right. did set the pace and, yes. and those came into lockstep behind him. So, yes. yeah, he was an important man. But you're right. The majority of his... Um, accomplishments and he he was getting very acerbic and and very um pessimistic i think towards the end Mm -hmm. don't you think well look can you blame him no no but no you are not stephen hawking you are an an intellect of an entirely different although similar um Stature, you're, you're Jason Wood, everybody. Whoa. Yep. And you don't have to do complex math to get your comics and associated bric-a-brac on the cheap. All you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. In fact, there's no adding at all involved. You click on it that you want to add it to your cart. It goes into your cart, and the math is taken care of. It's very easy. You can get a bunch of stuff for a little bit of money, such as... From Marvel. You know it's a big deal when I pimp a Marvel book. Domino number two. Amazing Spider-Man number 800. Oof. Big doings. It is a 100-page issue wrapping up Dan Slott's tenure on the title. He's going down swinging. It's nine ninety nine cover price. Respect for 100 pages. But you are so intelligent, you will not pay that. 
you will pay half that, $4.99. Across the street at D.C., well, across the country at D.C. now, you can get the D.C. Nation number zero, written by Tom King and Various, says here, art by Clay Mann and Various. It's a big deal. Stuff's not going to be reprinted in any other comic book before each series collected editions. That's cool beans. It's cheap. It's only a quarter. But it's even cheaper, hi, when you uh, know enough to go to dcbservice.com. You are going to get it for 12 cents. When was the last time, aside from 1963, you bought a comic for 12 cents? Who knows, dude? Yes. Am I right? And pulpy goodness abounds over at Dynamite in the form of Red Sonia meets Tarzan. Number one, written by Gail Simone. She's become identified with the Sonia oh, in recent years. Uh, art by Walter Giovanni. Adam Hughes does the cover, one of the covers. Three ninety nine cover price. Your price? Bum, bum, bum. $1.99. com. Do not mind late orders or order editions. And you get your book, Sting Dong, delivered right to your domicile or domicile whichever way you want to pronounce it go there or be square Mm -hmm. vince i must know Mm. are you still drinking the giant jug of wine from parts unknown i am drinking x the unknown wine yes it's almost how big is this jug dude it's a giant freaking jug it's it's you ever read Little Abner? No. It's what? Dude, well, come on, seriously. Well, how, are you, how how are you surprised at that? I don't know. I'm I'm shocked. I'm hurt more than surprised. But and I think they stopped publishing it before I was born. They yes. do have collections, but anyway. Oh no, um, I don't. Know. You're I don't, the only one who's stacking up on the reviews, though. It's come on. bigger than the jugs in Little Abner. What about Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? Far bigger, and they're not in trees. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, since Dapp always loves to go last, uh, as per tradition, I am drinking Cross Springs Cabernet Sauvignon, 2014 vintage. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb asked me, since I never did a, a verdict of the augment uh, at the end of the episode on Sunday, uh, he reached out. I had to tell him that it is one of the better bourbon barrel aged cabs uh some like to give you a little bit of a sharp kick uh that did not and neither does although this is not a cab this is uh this is something new and it is behringer brothers bourbon barrel aged red wine blend um it was uh aged 60 days in these barrels, I do not know what the blend actually uh, is a blend of. Just that uh, this bold red wine blend has flavors of black cherry, toasted coconut, and dark caramel with a smoky finish. And it, it is pretty tasty. I um, I really did not know. The only I My complaint, though, is that even though it's been on its side... Since I've had it for almost a week, it was on its side when I bought it from the store. The cork was dry 
and broke in half while I was popping the bottle open tonight. So now I have one of my wife's silly silicone stoppers at the top of it, which I'm not a real big fan of. But you don't I was, like them? I, they're not, they're, I'm not, a, I'm not a really big fan of the shape. They seem to be a little big for the our bottles, but she she loves them. I, every time I uncork something, she drinks. I put the cork back in. She just like she practically takes the cork out of it and like tosses it at my head so she can use her stoppers. I just it's habit for me because I just turn the cork over and shove it back in when I'm done. But um, I just want them to be a little on the big side. But they they do serve a purpose, and there's nothing nothing wrong with them. It just looks silly for me because I'd never use them. Nice. All right. All right. Respect. I found a use for wine bottle corks. Yeah. Yeah. I have Good a love hate relationship with the Swiffer mop. Mm-hmm. Because I can't get the damn wet thing to stick in those little holes. Like I push it in and it comes it back out. Your thumb yeah. Thumb? I pull okay. it, you All know. Right. So I've been using wine bottle corks. And it's it, shove them in there. It does not come out. That's that's pretty slick. Yeah, I like life it. hack. So I should be on the life hack thing. Yes, totally. Right. I think she's cute. He's annoying. Uh, I don't know who the he, he or she is, but cool. He's from um, uh, the what do you call it? The uh, the show on um, the video game network. The one that oh, oh Leo Adam Leo Laporte. No. From uh, from X Games? No, no. Um, the one that Sarah um, Underwood was from. Oh, Kevin Rose. Yes. Yeah. He's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I always found him to be annoying. Yeah. Even on the old tech TV, yeah. Mm. Right, tech TV. That's, That's, That's it. That's it. Really? Oh, yeah. is it really? That's cool. Yep. Well, if I can get close to his co-star, then... Right there, you go. <laughs> All right, so we do have thank yous. We do what we got. Yes, well, I, let me. I'll go on one because I I don't I think it's a it's a solo thank you at least okay. based on our, our pre show production. Uh, it is a huge thank you. A shout out to uh, longtime listener and friend Corey Tilson. Corey was um, cleaning. Uh, they're moving. They're they're moving changing abodes and so he was doing the dreaded cleanup um including some cleanup of his comic room and he came across a few things that he thought would uh be served well in my man cave so he sent me a awesome glossy print of um scooby-doo signed by dan davis and a promotional poster from back when um image was doing GI Joe and it's the, uh, it's the J Scott Campbell, um, you know, lineup, uh, cover. And it is signed by the creative team. It's signed by uh curse larder and Laylock. So, um, much love to you, Corey. That's very, very thoughtful of you. I appreciate it. That is pretty awesome. Absolutely. You're lucky. Now, what, what does everyone else have to say? Thank you for Dap, you take the thank yous because I have it all the way over on the other side of the room. Uh, first, um, huge thanks to uh, the amazingly talented uh, James Why Not for um, 
Jason let us know. Was it earlier this year or towards the December? It was in January, though, wasn't it? It was a few months ago. Jason uh, told us that um, why not is having a uh, his commission list was open, so jumped on that and received. wasn't it Vince? It's okay, Ghost Rider. It's all right. Was it? Yeah, if that Dude, was. The, I'm that so was, sorry. That was the shocker of it. Vince was so excited by great. Oh, because Panthers. he yes, you reached out about a page, motherfucker. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry, Vince. Thank you. So Vince, <laughs> you let don't us have know. to attribute it. To, who cares? No, no, as long no. as you got Credit the paper, it's due. It's it's oh all good. Goodness. No, I. Doesn't so matter. after Vince let us know about it, I reached out and uh, threw a couple of things at the man's way, and he. Uh, he hit me back and absolutely crushed. He did this fantastic looking, and there's a paste up on it. There's this towards the top. Oh, nice. He had to like redo something, um, but it is in an amazingly beautiful uh, Epi Thatcher Grendel. Inside the envelope was also a page from a full page uh, splash page of a um, from a zombie book that he did. And he included um, the first two issues of Grave Transfers and signed them. So I haven't read the second issue yet. Uh, I'll, I'll do that so we can all discuss it when the time comes. Um, you know, that's, so the, th- that's the thing with Why Not. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I'm glad we got in on the relative ground floor with him. Because in comparison to the amount of money we gave him for his art, he's given stuff away. Like he's giving, no doubt. he's no giving doubt. pages yeah. away. Seriously, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I'm out as many as he wants to give, we'll take them. But yeah. there's going to be a a point really soon when he just takes a look at how good he is and starts charging more. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. That's all. You're I mean, right for for everything he puts on the page. I mean, we we're all fans of of all different artists with different styles and, and you have some that love the negative space and, and just let your eye fill in everything. And then you have guys who just love spreading ink all over that page. And why not? It's definitely in the latter camp. And it's just, it's, it's a site. I haven't, I haven't decided which frame I'm putting it in yet, but it's, it's going on the wall. It's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely stunning. Um, and I also have to thank Mr. Dave Jordan. Uh, he sent us a, a rough a PDF a while ago of his uh, creator-owned book, Valk, and it finally uh, is a reality and is in my hands. I received it yesterday. Uh, it is it is a love letter to Jack Kirby. Uh, it is just and 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 there are ads within it's it's. It's an amazing look thing. I have to. Um, I haven't actually sat down to read it yet. It's been a crazy couple of days, but I, I just really have to thank the man for it. And I do believe we'll see him at Heroes this year. Um, and uh, I will thank him in person for it again then. But um, thank you much, Dave. Big hugs. Uh, agreed. I, I would say I did have a chance to read it. And dare I say, I hope this is taken with the intent that it is taken or that it is meant, uh, it is it is uh, Dave's best work to date. I like it. I, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll he, see. Because like, I, like that, I didn't read it yet, but I I did page through it, and it looks awesome. But, it does. Yeah, but all his stuff does. 
So, uh, and he he wants everybody to know that uh, Volk is debuting SC two e two this year. Uh, so, um, you can find him SC two e two. Check it out and purchase it for yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, he he. Um, He's a mensch. I, I, I absolutely love Dave and the fact that he, he thinks of us enough to to uh, share his work is um, I sincerely appreciate it. Yes, very much, very much. All right. Being the producer slash program director of this here ship, mm-hmm. I, I think it would be a, a, a really cool idea if we answered a Patreon question or two, then talked about some comics then maybe answered another question. That's an awesome idea. Did you just come up with that? What an yeah. incredible idea. Right? That's why you're the producer. That's where I wear oh, many hats. God. That, that is, is why you're the producer. That's the pointiest of all of them. All right. Well, let me see if I can dig up some questions on the fly here. Since Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to need dead air or anything. But yeah. no. Okay. All right. <laughs> Happen to have some. He's so prepared, okay. ladies and gentlemen. First up, a question from our man 50 grand, Mr. Trev Boyd. What? Woot, woot. What if... What, if any, series have you guys double-dipped or even triple-dipped on over the years? For me, meaning Trev, why The Last Man got half the singles, he got had, had the trades, and they made a great gift, and now he has the absolutes. Nice. So what have we multiple-dipped on over the years? Wow, so oh. many. So many. Yeah. Um, now, I'll, but to just... Slight qualifier, have you, and, and this isn't, you can answer it however you want, but do you, have you done it because you lost or sold or mm. needed to replace, or is it because I love this, I I will buy it in every format, it comes out in regardless, no matter what I already own? Yeah. M- more the, more the, la- more the l- latter. Right. Um. <sighs> Yeah, I think so. Because I, there are things that I definitely... Because anything that I've lost over the years, if if it, there's not a gnawing inside me to replace it, then it's fine. But there are some things that I would like to have again, but that's not... I wouldn't consider that double dipping. Mm-hmm. Double dipping is something I already own, mm-hmm. getting it again, and then whatever I do with the first version of it, whatever. But yeah, if as long as I already own it and want it again, then I consider that double or triple dipping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's With me, it's not as, as widespread as you may have assume no uh, no the the obvious answer is commandy i bought okay. the original singles off the newsstand there were no trades in the days of commandy so right. i i bought the um the archives when they came out then i bought the newer ones that fit into the jack kirby library that that dc did the past what five years or so, uh, and every time they come out with a new format of Commandy, I buy it. Mm-hmm. So, but that's that's the obvious answer. Um, Grimjack, I bought nice. all I bought all the singles, and then who was it that? I think it was. Um, they did the the Grimjack series, the collected Grimjack. I, yeah, I'm the bus. The was IDW. They, it lasted eight volumes. Did it really? Yeah, and I have them all. Nice. Yeah, something about Grimjack. Can't get enough of that. I wish they would do that for Airboy. Why is nobody reprinting Airboy? Are they uh, 
Are the IDW omnibuses the same size as like the Dark Horse ones, or are they larger? These are just trades. They're not. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're... okay, okay. All right, never mind. Yeah, my mistake. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I've done it a ton of times, um, yeah. largely in because of of different formats. Um, if we count Marvel Omnibu, I mean, I'm t- we're talking dozens of series that I've done it. Um, if we're excluding Omnibu, then here's just a few, uh, that I, I scribbled down here. Watchmen. I own the singles. (laughs) I own one of the old school trades. I own the absolute and I own the annotated. Wow. Um, alpha flight. I own two complete runs of that in singles and the, and the omnibus. So, but we're not counting on you. Uh, Fables, why scalped in a hundred bullets? I, I, you know, DC's been doing those uh, those hardcovers that collect essentially two trades worth for each of those. Um, I own two complete runs of Excalibur, two complete runs of West Coast Avengers. I just recently, because I'm a maniac, bought um, complete. Oh, hot new issues again. <laughs> It'll almost be a year you bought those. Yeah. Um, about two so he's years, about to do to get another set. It's true. Yeah. About two years ago, I bought the complete run of What If again because um, my if. oldest son thought that it sounded like a cool idea and we started reading them together. Um, so, yeah, but I've done it a bunch. But, but again, between collected editions and basically any anything that I um, – and then, that, then I didn't even think about it until we started talking. Then if you count digital, oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. I – between, That's the thing, and I'm I'm not. I'm yeah, not I mean, I mean, I have a huge chunk of 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 my collection in, in in digital form now. Anytime there's a big sale from one of the publishers on Comicsology or a humble bundle, I, I always load up uh, on those just to have them. Even though I haven't really read much of it that way, but yeah. So. If, if we're talking digital, I've double dipped on everything I have ever bought and everything I will ever buy. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I'm like I wouldn't I wouldn't. To be, I look at things like Aaron's Doctor Strange or his Thor or even even Tom's Batman when that eventually gets gets the nice sweet yeah. ass treatment. I mean that that you could say that's double dipping after the digitals and the collection, but I, I I'm not I'm going to limit it limit it to the physical. Um, anytime I can get my hands on on any Grendel issues, I do. You do. Uh, the first Mage series specifically, I have the singles. I have the um, the Starblaze slipcase, three volumes of the first series. Um, I even have a, I had a, an oversized Mage book at one point. I can't find it now for one of the volumes. Um, I no longer have my Watchmen singles and the one trade I had, I loaned out and never got back, but I have the absolute for that. I had the, um, the two new frontier trades and I have the absolute on that. Um, there've been, I, I guess the, the fantastic four by burn omnibus. Uh, there's the, um, I have the harbinger volume one, trade from valiant that uh you that i wasn't the coupons but i I have a couple of valiant trades um wait you have the original five issues of harbinger i have hold on 
Harbinger, children of the eighth day, still still in the bag, my brother. No, no, no. I'm talking about the issues that it contains. You don't have singles of those. No, no. Oh, okay, because no. I'd have to crawl through your window. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> um, no. This is uh, this is a poly bag within number zero. Yeah. Trade cover price nine ninety five. I have a Quantum and Woody director's cut, uh, and I have the Valiant Era collection. That's a great one. I think that with reprints... an Eternal Warrior companion, Ooh. the Valiant Era companion featuring Eternal Warrior number one nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Um, still in the bag. I should let that out and breathe. Um, but yeah, there's the uh, and then there were. Yeah, like, I'm I, looking around some of the other collections. Um, I wasn't buying adjectiveless X-Men at the time, but I, I have the Supernovas collection. Same thing with oh the um, uh, Annihilation and Conquest. I had the issues, and then I did get the uh, right. the oversized hardcover. Uh, oh, um, I had uh, Batman: The Dark Knight. I had the four issues. And then I had the um, the leather bound oh, Frank Miller Batman collection. Um, then the Batman four hundred four, five, six, and seven, which was year one, so that's included in that as well. See, so, yeah, I mean there there aren't there aren't as many as as I probably would have thought that I I double dipped on. There are just things that I I read and then ended up just getting the. The collections when when they were available, but um, but yeah, I don't think um, there's just been things that I've I've given away or, or lost over the years. So it's not it, it's not technically double dipping because I'm not adding to my collection. I'm kind of just replacing stuff. Right there, there are a few things that I will double dip on all the time. Like obviously Howard the Duck, I have all the singles. I have the omnibus. I I have the epic collections. Like stuff like that, but I always and it's a sickness at this point. Whenever they reprint things from the Marvel magazine era, Monsters Unleashed, Tales of the yeah, Zombie, you're on it. Mm-hmm. I, I buy them every freaking time. Yep. Um, same thing with Eerie and Creepy and Vampirella. I have the entire run of the Dark Horse Eerie and Creepy archives. I have most of the Dynamite Vampirella archives. It's that's my sweet spot, so I, I I'm almost obliged to to buy them again. Right. Yep. All right, there we go. So there is a question from the the uh, the patrons. Are we doing another one, or are we going to the comics? Let's do another one. This is fun. Okay, uh, we're gonna kill two patronage birds with one stone here, wow. because the question is from our newest member of the Illuminati tier. A.K.A. the shout-out here. And that is Mr. Cam Otashemi. Mm. What? Yeah, so thank you, Cam, for the patronage. And here is your question. He was uh, having some discussions on the Facebooks uh, and thought it would be a good topic for the show. For all three of us, do we feel the way we emotionally, psychologically react, respond to great comics we discover today as adults is about the same feeling that we had back when we were discovering new comics as a kid in our earliest years of comic reading. Do you find it an entirely different feeling today versus back then, or somewhere in between? Mm. Well, can I answer first? Sure. It is definitely not the same experience for me. 
It's nowhere mm-hmm. near uh, as powerful as it was when I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because I was soaking in John Basima line work, Jack Kirby, uh, John Severin, Gene Colan, Sal Basima, all of Ross Andrew, all of the the guys that I would later I would grow to idolize and and respect so much. And when you're looking at something with wide eyes for the relatively you know the first time. That is when the imprint is made. So everything's wonderful. Even the bad stories were were phenomenal. Where now we've been reading comics for 40 years and more, we we get a little jaded. Yeah. We've, we've, Everything was new and exciting and yeah. And yeah. We're, we we've we've kind of seen it all now and and we're we're bringing that baggage into every new issue we buy today is it's it, it, whether we're doing it intentionally or not you're kind of judging and comparing it on what you've read for the past however many years yep yeah i i, I can't uh, disagree with uh with you guys i think it's um it's perfectly natural in fact i'd be shocked and surprised if there's many people listening at home that would answer differently because I don't think this is just a comics thing. I think comics is particularly pronounced because we are reading hundreds of iterations of the same characters over and over again. But I think it's the same for most of our initial experiences, whether it be music, um, TV movies, um, heck even our first loves or sexual experiences. I think all of those things imprint in a way that um, often makes those things always feel more important than subsequent experiences. Yeah, uh, that that's not to say that things won't knock your socks off, like Sweet Tooth or Southern Bastards, or or, or yeah, you know, or Gold Digger. But there are just certain things where you're for the majority of it. It's like okay, it's it's still a superhero comic. It's yeah. still it's still Batman fighting the Joker. It, it's still Spider Man fighting Green Goblin, and that's it. Might be a different take, or it might look cooler. To some people, but it's still kind of been or done that. It, it's it, but that makes the things like off road or Godland kind of stand out a little bit and and make you take notice. All right, here's an offshoot of that question: Has there been anything within the past ten years, any comics that you've experienced that? hit you so hard that they could the feeling could approximate it, it, it'll never rival but more or less made you feel like you were you know 10 years old again that sense of wonder the uh, the um, no holds barred no strings attached just unbridled appreciation of the work for what it is you didn't bring any baggage to it. It just made you feel like you were seeing something new for the first time. Yeah, sure. Um, um, I, I think that happens fairly frequently. Um, but I think it's more of a pleasant surprise um, than not. But definitely, I mean, God, Fear Agent, 100 Bullets... Um, 
the 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 opening of Southern Bastards, where you thought who the hero was supposed to be and whether or not he was going to make it past the the first story. Yeah, I mean uh, things like uh, like Pinocchio or, um, um, I mean I'm just, yeah I'm just, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite books from Jason Aaron's Thor. I mean, the sh- and and that's and but and that's that's something else where when I when I read a story and I was kind of. I, I touched on it briefly with, with you guys this afternoon as far as the whole prejudging thing, but there are, when I read something, I'm reading it in the now. I'm, I'm as the, as the creators intend, that's how I want to consume it. That's how I want to witness it. I don't want to put it down and then think, well, they just killed them off. He'll be back in three months. I don't, I, I hate, thinking like that and i don't want to so when i when i read something i'm going to just be in that moment and and so i i think i i i try to be more open to those experiences mm-hmm. to those moments you realize that's an impossibility right what trying to be in the moment and not take all everything you've learned about the comics industry with but you. it's but that's but but all of that is is the past and when i'm reading something i'm not trying to think about what's going to happen i can think okay well yeah they've already given spider-man six arms i don't uh, that that but right. i'm not going to think oh well you know yeah so so now now norman is carnage and like and i wonder what's gonna i don't i i don't i'm not trying to guess where the creators are going. I want them to tell the story that they want to tell. So that's, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're where, where it's, it's, it's very hard to kind of be like, well, you know, you can definitely think about where things might go. And those are fun games to play with people where it's like, you know, okay, well, I just read this. What do you, you know, I just saw the first three pages of Bendis's Superman story. Where do you think he's going with? And, you know, you can have fun with that, but I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a prisoner to that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think the great thing about, uh, and the show has a lot to do with it, is that probably, if, I mean, and leave it to Vince to ask us a question that we didn't pre-prep for, even though we had seven <laughs> questions that we all agreed we were going to prep for. Um, so we so yeah, had cogent thoughts. But um, if I were to sit down and, and make a list of the things that uh, are escaping me right now, I, I do think a lot of them would be non-Big 2 superheroes that would make my list. And I think that's a part of it. I mean, there are lots of different types of comics out there. And so I think I'm more likely to be overwhelmed with giddiness from something that's of a different genre or a different type or a different era, simply because that is still newer to me. I'm not, not, you know, inundated. I would say with most superhero comics these days, uh, it's more of like the comfort, comfortable blanket or pair of jeans. You know, I, we wouldn't keep reading them if we didn't get enjoyment. That would be, that would be sadomasochistic to continue to read as many comics as we do and talk about them if we didn't enjoy the process. But I think it's more of a baseline level of I enjoy reading comic books, so it's not an unpleasant experience unless they absolutely suck it. Um, but it's just a much higher threshold to be genuinely surprised or overwhelmed or or blown away by them. But it still happens. I mean. I'd like to think that it comes through when we talk about them and when we're truly, you know, blown away by a book. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, I mean, we also the, read a ton. I mean, we so. do, we do. But I have to say, one of the most recent examples of genuine surprise, shock, even, is currently. I think they're in the midst of the story. It's Avengers: No Surrender. 
I am yeah. flabbergasted how yeah. good this thing is. And and with it's playing by the rules of the Marvel Universe, or I shouldn't say that, of mainstream comics, but then it's not. It's it's straddling both sides of it. It's I, I think it's a it's a wonderful Avengers story, and I never thought I'd I'd see another one of those. And then we're about to get another one when Aaron takes over. Yep. How far along are you? In I didn't read today. I didn't read today's yet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was so good. Stop. It oh was. God, and then when he does, oh. But and then the, when he um, did that thing, and, and then that, that other oh, thing happened. The thing with the thing. And then when she and tripped then, out like but that. But what's what's great though is, you know, when when you whether it's because of the movies or depending on how long you've been reading. How, how how old you are and how long you've been an Avengers fan. When you think of the Avengers, you kind of do think of Marvel's Holy Trinity, or as cl- what close they have to one. And they're not in this story, right. but it still feels like an Avengers story. Yep. It's still, oh, it's, and whether that's because of Jarvis or or the other characters in the story, but it's still, it doesn't feel like, you know, the Legion of Substitute heroes. It's just, it's it's still an Avenger story, which is hella cool, and and I, it's, it, you know how the Fantastic because, Four used to have the world's greatest comic magazine on the masthead. Yeah. This should say, "You'll believe three li- three writers can make you care about Rogue." <laughs> I knew, I never thought that would happen. I can't believe she did what she did, though. But the um. Because uh, I don't know how many more times that dude can die, but the the um, the part of me because I read the first five six issues back to back to back. I because I, I was late since Jason was reading from the beginning, told us about it, um, and then for the past couple of weeks, I've read them. As they come out, part of me, especially with today's, because it was there, there was a focus, and it didn't. It, I appreciated the way they broke the issue up, as far as what they did at the beginning, and then you got the the, the roll call, and then now we resume our story already in progress, and and it. Whereas sometimes that could slow it down and and it, and it didn't feel like a speed bump i was i was happy to see yeah here and that's the thing i think that the the way that uh wade is um making us feel like the old and the new all go together it's been seamless mm-hmm. yeah like i mean nadia feels like i totally am rooting for her like i i'm completely on board with her as being a badass Avenger now, and hell, even even Lightning, formerly yeah. known as the Living Lightning. I, I mean, it's not as though we saw him. I think for a few issues during the Avengers Initiative, but he hasn't been a pertinent character, maybe ever. But but at least since he was an Avenger back in the day, and um, he's been great. I I I just think the voices all work. It's been action packed, and one might complain that the plot is nothing we haven't seen a million times before, but you know what? That's okay. I, I've often said that one of the things that, that I miss about superhero comics is when they're just 
about the heroes stopping the bad guy from doing something bad. Like, just just give me that every couple arcs. I don't need everything to be leading up to or or a cataclysmic event that is going to end everything yeah. as we know it. We didn't just, need any more than that back in the day. Yeah, just give me bad guys with a motive, with it being at least logical enough that I'm not given the side eye, and then let the heroes do the hero stuff. That's all I need, and that's what I'm getting so far. True. So, yeah. it's It's nice to see... I do get the sense, critically and commercially, not a lot of folks are reading this right now, and um, that's a shame. I, I do think, and unless he totally botches the ending, this is going to go down as one of the better Avengers runs of of the last 15, 20 years. I would add a couple more years to that, but yeah, I totally, yeah. I totally agree. It just goes to show what a seasoned, experienced competent group of writers can do they could make you care about lightning like characters that we didn't give a passing glance to before yet Mm -hmm. when they're used well believably competently it it just comes down to a very crack creative team and i think this is a good blueprint for future books if you and it was uh, a tactic employed by the the Spidey Brain Trust back in the day: give a four issue arc to one creative team, one one artist, or or you know a, a small group of artists. Let them get it done while someone else is working on another four issue arc. If you're going to double ship or weekly ship, this is the best way to do it. There's no loss in quality because the story mm-hmm. has been done for months. And I just think it's a great way to to. Just keep the books coming out. And you can even do it for, uh, with trades if you wanted to. It, now, w- what did you all think of the the developments with Voyager? I I didn't see it coming. See, no, no I, I, I kind of did. No, I didn't. I, I, I wanted to it. believe. Right, that's and that's thing, and yeah. that's and that's totally acceptable, and that's and and based on the story that we've been getting, there's there's no reason why you wouldn't think that, especially after they, you know, we've had we've had Century, we've had Jewel, we've had Blue Marvel. I mean, we they they've done it in recent years where they've tried to slide people in, and but I didn't see, I didn't see the, um, I didn't see how the reveal was going to present itself, but when it started. I had a feeling that I this I don't think this is something that's going to stick, but I have to see how they're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I I really, as you recall from our conversations about this initially, was extremely excited at at that development and yes. thought that how clever it was to retcon her into the entirety of Marvel history. So. I'm not surprised that they are going to keep it that way, but I am a smidge disappointed. Me I mean, I, I knew it wasn't going to likely stick though when they announced this reboot and that Aaron was taking over with number one, because as with all things, they always give the, they put all the pieces back on the, on the, in the, in the box on the playing on the table and, and let the, the new creator have all his toys to play with as he wishes. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not shocked, but, but I, 
I have to say that that one of the things that that got me to gush about the series when it was first going was that, and that they just committed to it. And I thought that's pretty cool that they're, they're letting them just they're just going to go with this. So I would have preferred that ten years from now, canon was that Voyager was a yeah. founding member of the Avengers, but but um, but that that's probably at least partially driven by editorial. They probably said, well, you, you can do this, but you can't. You got to unwind it. You can't. You can't leave it like that. So, so, um, so it, it's it's a minor ding, um, but 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 certainly not at the expense of praising the series. Yeah, but at the end of the day, in six to eight months, we'll have a beautiful, complete hardcover collection of No Surrender on our bookshelves that That's we could well. return to time and time again. So the story's going to be there, and right. and and who knows? Maybe you know. After the fact, once it's collected and, and word of mouth spreads, maybe they'll start taking more chances. Who knows? I hope. And it's not over yet. I mean, it's still there. there might something still might. It's all still comics. You, something might happen where you know maybe a someone's reality actually is the real one. And and you know, right. so I'm I'm not. It it's still. How how long is it? I don't I don't even know how long. Sixteen it's issues, for. I think. Yeah. Okay, and then we're only up to what, like eight, nine. So mm-hmm. it's you know th- there's still a ways to go. I, I'm not uh, I'm not writing the ending for them. So however they want to to roll with it, but I mean it's it's been one hell of a fun and funky ride. Mm-hmm. Props to Jason for telling us about it. Seriously, right? Boom. Yes, sir. And props to me for listening for once. No, I know. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. All right. So now let's slide on into the comics. What'd you read? As opposed to Avengers. No. (laughs) That was an offshoot of the character, of the the question. I believe there's something we triple teamed on. What is this? This doesn't want to go first? No. Wow. What's this triple... Triple teamed. We triple teamed on something from the Archie universe. Oh, oh we my, did. My, yes. My, my fate. This is out of the few things that came out today that I actually read. This was by by far. Yeah, I'll say that. Uh, my favorite thing that I read today. Well, then you go ahead. Uh, this is Vampironica, number one, written by Greg Smallwood and Meg Smallwood. Art by Greg. I Meg is, I, is Greg's wife, we should say, because yes, she's new comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love everything about this. It it's I from from Greg's nailing expressions. Uh, especially Veronica, there, there's and and hopefully this will be in the gallery. But there's when there's a uh, there's a scene where Archie kind of bums Veronica out with with some news, and and the way she kind of pouts is just fantastic. And then later on, she's at the makeup table, and 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 she's still kind of it, it's it's not it doesn't look like the way Kevin Maguire does expressions, but there's still that you, you don't need any, any text. You don't need to, you don't need anybody telling you what these characters are feeling. It's, Greg is, is letting you know exactly what, um, 
what's going through everybody's mind. But but this is um, it's it starts off with a uh, with with a party uh, at Pembroke Estates, and Cheryl Blossom is is hosting it. But some vampires show up, and all of a sudden we see Veronica Lodge kind of come in, and um, they more or less save the day. So that's that's present day. That's what's happening now. So the rest of the book, uh, we we flash back to um, to three days ago uh, at cheerleading practice, which is where Ronnie sees Archie and, and talks about any plans they may have for that evening. Uh, Archie kind of bums her out by breaking the news to her that uh, he's already got plans with Betty. Um, but saving face with Reggie nearby, uh, Veronica just plays it off and says that, you know, it's all good. We're, we're cool. Now the rest of the book is I'm just loving little things like, Reggie sends Veronica a text letting her know he's on his way and he's bringing the jag. And then because he's fucking Reggie and he's a dick, he says, I just passed Archie in his rust bucket on wheels and, and with, with, with an emoji. And it's just like, dude, it's like, like it's bad enough, but okay, cool. Eh. Veronica goes downstairs and, um, and something's amiss. She sees her parents in uh in in her father's study um they're not responding all that well to her there's another gentleman in the room who then bites veronica on the neck she fights back um very strong and and an able woman here she's not she's not cowling she's not she's, she's not cowering in a corner she's not she's not um she she defends herself and she gets away. And excuse me, bless you. Uh, the the next couple of pages are just I, I keep going back. Like everything else that happens in the book, it's like these these three pages right here. I just I keep going back to Veronica gets away. She's in the car, and she takes her eyes off the road for a second. And this and 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 Greg's coloring is is superb as well because it's just it's with headlights and everything like that, but she turns back around and, and the way he has his page layouts, because you have to turn the page to see what exactly she's seeing. And when you see what she's seeing, it's, it's that typical teenager attitude because there's, 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 well, spoilers, Reggie is heading right towards her, but you see in his right hand, he has his cell phone, so this dumb motherfucker's still texting while driving. They have a head-on collision. She flies out of the car, and that's when you realize that she has turned. She is a vampire, um, but she's a bit stronger than that, and it is a bit of a cliffhanger. But um, the the major thing for this I, i'm not I, i've enjoyed my share of, of vampire stories um i do like the archie characters and the universe the the reason why 
this was going to be bought by me was because of Greg Smallhorn's art. And, and it is absolutely amazing. I, I, I love the style. I love, I love the, the, he has this ability to just as if he's shading everything with the side of the pencil. I just, I, I, I am, I, I love his work period. That's just it. But I will agree with Vince who mentioned in our messages that, um, that it is a bit of a quick read. Um, but because I keep going back and looking at some of these pages, it it's, it's hard for me to just say, yeah, I read it and put it down and then that's it, you know, in three minutes of my life that I didn't, even though it's kind of quick, I didn't, there wasn't anything about it that, that made me feel like I was gypped. And I'm not saying that, that, that you did Vince. I'm just, it's right. they're They're definitely quick reads. And, and I put down and I'm like, okay, well that's cool. And I'll never think about that again, but that, that isn't what happened here. But no. I, I absolutely, I wasn't sure if this was going to be my inner travels, if I was going to, you know, just kind of talk about it. If you guys weren't, when you guys are going to read it or whatever, but I, this was absolutely one of the best things I've read from Archie in a while, but it's, it's definitely, um, gotta be at the top of, of things I've read today. I enjoyed it a lot. I think, um, I, I don't want to reiterate everything that you said, but, um, from my vantage point, I think the figure drawing is phenomenal. The uh, the pacing is great. The, just the the um, various expressions, especially Veronica when she pouts, it just makes you melt. Uh, I like the fact that they took the Archie crosshatch. Yes. Uh, because in a lot of the, the Archie horror books, they eliminate that kind of stuff. If you look on Veronica, she has the the highlight yep. on her hair, much like in the DiCarlo stuff. Um, Betty should be a little more attractive, but the <laughs> the, the title character is Veronica, right. so you got to expect that. Um, I think the coloring is phenomenal. The way the mood changes from scene to scene, it's great. It's it's a little too ephemeral for a first issue for me. It it went by way too fast. Um I think it could have been a tad bit darker in tone, not in mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's there there there's blood in it and it's it there there's scenes of of uh, some semi disturbing scenes. Uh Ronnie pulls a piece of glass out of her arm and she that's when she notices something ain't right because she's healing almost immediately. Right. But um it it I, I'm into for the long haul on this because the the Archie horror books have not uh steered me wrong yet, but it, it doesn't have the sense of dread that Sabrina has or right, okay. or, or the, mm-hmm. the Afterlife. Or, or Jughead. Yeah, well, jury's still out on Jughead. I mean it's Jughead's good, but it's no match for Sabrina or uh Afterlife. Afterlife, right? Yeah. Um this is technically the best drawn out of yeah, out I, of all of the Archie mm-hmm. Horror stuff. Yeah. I mean the the 
the body language when she's emerging out of the pool and mm, you, you yes. got you got the blood just soak in the foreground and you can still see some of the 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 bluish highlight of the water in the back I mean, that's just a great freaking page it's a great that that has staying power those mm-hmm. are the kind of scenes i want to see but i just think that it just went by a little too quickly for me. Now, who's to say? Maybe issue two will get a lot more exposition. We'll find out who this guy that killed the Lodges is and, and why he did it and, and what's his deal, you know? Uh, I, I, I don't want it to, to seem like I, I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it very much. But it's, it's almost a tease because we get a, a, a brief sample of, of, I think, what's to come and I, I I wanted a, just a little more meat on the bone. I am a hundred percent with both of you. I think this is the best looking of the. What, do they have a do they have a name for the whole line now? Um, I think they're using uh, just plain Archie horror. Archie horror. Okay. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, of the books have cool. Archie's Madhouse on it. Like the, okay. the Jughead says Archie's Madhouse, but right. I think it's just a blanket Archie horror. Okay, but um, I love one of my favorite things is when an artist does that thick, confident black outline around mm-hmm. the characters. I love that. And Greg does that here, and he does it masterfully. So 100% with you with the art. I think the art is as close to perfect for the book as can be. Um, but I also agree with you that there, there are very few word balloons in this book. Yeah, and I don't think it damages the book meaningfully. But I do agree that that a little more dialogue would have been fine. And I definitely agree, Vince, that this is a bit tonally different, at least as a first issue, mm-hmm. and that this felt a lot to me like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic, where, especially in the beginning. Yes, yeah, it's like my it, fear, yeah, like it's it, my big it's, fear. It's, it's like yes, they're monsters, and yes, there's going to be death, but it's kind of like we're going to roll with it because that's how we do. Um, whereas the other Archie books have been more foreboding, more like this is really the end of the world as they know it type of thing. Yeah. I mean, the Sabrina so, is so steeped in Lovecraft. Yeah. And, and yeah. Hack does a great job at just the, there's a lot of, uh, you almost get dirt under your fingernails when you're done re- reading an issue of Sabrina. Right. Where, where this is stylistically, I mean, Smallwood's a, a master illustrator. Every panel is just gorgeous. E- even the offhand ones where you just you have maybe an arm or a, um, a, a button being pushed on a, on a card dashboard. I mean, they're, they're all great panels. It's, it's just a little, there's a little too much gloss, I think, is, is what I'm saying. And, and it's, it's Buffy meets Blade, right? She, she's mm-hmm. going she's gonna to be like the Daywalker. And and kill her own kind, right? Which there's and nothing the wrong way, with that. I mean, I'm down. I am a huge fan of Cheryl Blossom on the show Riverdale, mm-hmm. and Greg Greg drew Blo- drew Cheryl Blossom better than she's ever been drawn before. Period. <laughs> In any version, does she look like that on, on the, the show? On the show, yeah. Mm-hmm. I may have to start watching the show. Oh, you don't? Yeah. No, I don't watch Dude, it. Riverdale is on point. Oh, Betty, Veronica, and Cheryl are all absolute dime pieces. It's well, crazy. They, they should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I 
just I think this is a winner, but I, I'm really curious as to how this is going to play out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Yes, I got sir. I got the Smallwood cover. Me too. Yep. Same. Same season. Even the cover's beautiful. It's it's just so well proportioned, and it's just it it says everything that needs to be said. Young girl cheerleader. Oh, she's a vampire. You know it's and it's so subtle. And and well, not really with the not, football players, but um, if it if we didn't know based on the cover. Based on the title, um, it gives it away when she emerges from the pool. But yes, um, even though she slashes one of the vampires with her nails, it was very the first couple of pages. Without knowing ahead of time that she's a vampire, you could definitely say that she's just Ronnie, the vampire slayer. Yeah. Well, when she comes out of the pool, I think you kind of. It gives it away. Yeah. 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 No, it's good <laughs> stuff. It's great stuff. Most definitely. All right, producer, are we doing another question or are we doing more comics? I'll leave it up to you. I trust your instincts. <laughs> All right. We'll do a quick question. I knew it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you are maddening. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Mansfield, Mr. Alex Mansfield says, do you ever look at your shelves at rows and rows of stories you'll never get around to reading and ask yourselves, why do I do this? I'm as guilty as anyone, but I find it fascinating that there's some compulsion that often means just owning a story is satisfying enough, regardless of whether or not I actually read the darn thing. It's like being some sort of comic book story curator. Is that reason enough to keep adding to the madness? Who wants to go first? Um, oh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, first of all, is it, do I ever do that? Yes, I do. <laughs> repeatedly i often when i'm tidying up or putting stuff away in my comic room think to myself i could legitimately never buy another comic book and have enough to read for my entire life but um i think that part of being a fanatic about something like comics is as much about the possession and the ownership of the medium so as irrational as it may be from a consumer standpoint, I, I do take pride and pleasure in in the archival aspect of it, in in having essentially as complete uh, a collection of American comics as is possible. I, I do take great pride in that, and knowing that, much like people back in the old days, if you had money and and you know some some title, you had a, a library, you know, in your in your house with tons of, of classics and books and uh, I, I love that idea that, that in essence, if magically somehow every kid in town wanted to start reading comics, I could pretty much let them come into my my comic crib and, and, and there'd be anything they wanted to read would be available for them to borrow. So I do take pride in it. I think it is a part of it. It's a compulsion. Um, but it doesn't, other than like fleeting moments of I have so much stuff I need to declutter, um, I don't regret having this many comics. I regret the clutter of it, but I don't, I don't regret the possession of them in a vacuum at all. Right. How about y'all? That's a good answer. Thanks. Uh, Well, you know, this, this question, oddly enough, is very topical for me right now and, and, and very current because I recently, um, 
my my library got way out of hand. There were so many stacks of books that you couldn't walk from the door to the other end of the the room. There was just stacks of of trades and and single issues everywhere. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, "This I, I got to fix this." So I ordered six Billy bookcases from IKEA. And this past weekend, I, I spent the majority of my free time just putting the bookcases together, getting them bolted to the wall, stacking the trades, organizing, blah, blah, blah. It, there's some kind of real special sickness where you order six bookcases and fill them all. <laughs> like, it, it's, it isn't the, the, the point of a bookcase to leave yourself enough room for more volumes. Right. Like all my shelves are full now, including the new ones. And I just stepped back and I, 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 I thought to myself, there's, this is a sickness. <laughs> so, so I just started pulling. I don't need this. This is not something I want to read again. It's coming off. Um, and, and yes, it's fodder for the patrons, but, I, ultimately, I came out of the experience with the the notion that I got to be more discerning with with what I buy. Like the, the fact that we get trade paperbacks in in most cases for half off the cover price due to our sponsor, DCBService.com, it makes it easy to say I want that, I want that, I'm going to get that, that. Oh, that looks good. I'll get that. And then we read it once, put it on the shelf, and then that's it, right? Yes. There has to be a bar that has that should be reached in order for us to consider buying this collection for our consumption and later archival. Like, are you going to read it again? Okay, then buy it. Like, for example, in the current previews, there's Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's Legion. There's two volumes of that. Hell Ordered. yeah. Yeah, me too. Hell yeah, I'm going to read those again. So I bought them, and they're going, and I will enjoy those for years. But there were other trade paperbacks under the DC banner that I was considering, but I, I, chances of me reading them again are not very good. So I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't order them. I've come out of this experience with um, the knowledge that one, I have too many damn single issues, way too many, and I have. A r- entire room full of paper. There, there has to be a point where we say, okay. And there never is because you know damn well that if they put another collection of something that's beloved to me, I'm going to buy it, right? Um, but I, I need to be more discerning with my purchases. I have to. I don't mm-hmm. have, you know, I got a big house, but there's only so many rooms I can put comics into with before you know the rest of the family starts to kill me. Dap, what are you thinking? Um, kind of in the middle. Uh, it's not. It's not so much. He who ends with the most wins. It's just it's. You know, before. Before everything was available online legally or otherwise you'd have to own the physical copy yes if you wanted to 
research if you wanted to recall if you wanted to okay well i i don't remember what issue it was when when we found out that puck wasn't actually a dwarf he's just been shrunken because he's got he's he's home to a demon now and it's like i so what issue was that and i have to go back and look and i go through my long boxes and they're now yes now thanks to wikipedia now thanks to everybody's wikia pages who for whatever group or publisher there's out there that information is very easy to get but because of when we started reading buying hoarding collecting comics it's it's that's not that's an aspect of of the hobby that is very hard for me to let go and and i can't um it's just data now it's not experience right right and i mean yes there there are definitely things i could look on the shelf and go like okay that will that will trigger a memory that will make me think fondly of something Mm -hmm. i don't have to read it to look at the spine and say i remember the summer of massachusetts when i first read that and and that's that's all i need and then i can still remember some things from the story and that's great but when it comes to actually owning the stuff now now it's just because it's 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 no longer a need. It's just, I want it. It'll, it'll look cool. I want to own it. I remember this. I remember that. And, and it, I, whether it's a completest attitude, but it's, it's no longer back then, back before the internet, then I could see it being a, a need. Now it's just a want. And, and if it, it's, it, but it is hard to, I, I don't, I don't, I was going to say, I don't regret any purchases, any purchases that I did regret. I, I was able to give the comics away or like Vince, you know, it's, it's a, it's a patron's game, but there are things where I just, I have it because, because I want to have it. it. It's, I don't, I don't look at it going, I mean, yeah, I, I could look through any of my DCBS orders and go, I don't need this. I could, I, I could just as easily live my life fine without it, but I don't want to. So it's, it's still something that, that I'm going to get and, and it'll sit on my shelf, whether, whether I read it now, it's also part of knowing that if I ever wanted to read it, it's there for me to read. Yeah, I may never read it. We I may not read it do. in eight months, yeah. but it, it's there if I want to. We say that, but how many times? We always do. We we never really go back, oh, dude. I still haven't read the damn uh, Gil Kane Undersea Agent book that I got at Heroes last year. Okay. I started it like three times. Th- it's like Get how your many Fanny in gear? I know, I know. I mean, but you. That, but that being said, Vince, let's remember how insanely excited we all were to discover the swap meet with random old comics that we all ended up buying stacks of, like you oh, said, less yeah. than a year ago. Right. Yeah, and I didn't even. Uh, if I read one sixteenth of those, it's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's fuel for the next ten, fifteen years for me. And that that just adds to my argument. Like, why right. we, why are we buying more? Well, because you can. Right. Exactly. Be, be, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be a financial or a space burden if it's to the point where it's unwieldy or it's clutter or it's um, offensive to your family or most importantly, if it's a financial burden, then yeah, then it's a problem. But I think we're a consumerist society. Um, and so 
while I totally acknowledge it is a sickness, I, I think it's a relatively benign one. No, could be, and I could think, be a hell I think, of a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. And I think we also don't want to be we don't want to be left out. We don't want to be the dude who wasn't aware or wasn't in on it when someone found that you order something every month or, or it's on your pull list and it's the first book you read that month and you find out that something big happens in that issue. It, 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 you just, you don't want to be the last to know. You don't want to be the one who's like, oh, you know, I, now I got to go back and find that at the shop or it's already been jacked up in price. And and so there there are, there's there's that, there's still, for me anyway, there's still part of that, that game of, I don't have the dudes I, I used to run out to the comic shop with, but I mean, thanks to the Facebook group and the patrons and everybody else, there's still, there's still enough people out there where we're kind of, we know it's Wednesday, it's New Comic Book Day, and, and we're going to talk about, you know, I'll, I'll get texts from people like, did you read that yet? Because did you see what I saw? And I mean, we get it every Wednesday after we're done reading something, the three of us sit down and we get to talk shit, but it's still, there's, yeah, it's, there, there's more to it than just having stuff on your shelf, but there are, there, there are a myriad of reasons as to why I want it on my shelf. Right. My, one of my new goals is, to make a library that has nothing extraneous. You can't take one book out without there being a, a, a loss, some kind of a vacuum. Like, I want mm-hmm. every book to speak to me on some kind of level. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. <laughs> That's okay. But I'm, I'm uh, as soon as I, I just ordered um, a thousand bags and boards from bill cole mylar and once i get those books put away i'm gonna start taking pictures of this thing and um just so you can see where my home base is my 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 safe zone my comfort zone nice yeah and i think we all should do that because i don't think people get um they can't paint the picture because they don't i mean they get a little bit from the, the the patreon videos but we should take photos of our environments yeah well um i did post a video of my regina uh on patreon a month or two ago to speak to the sickness mm-hmm. and i did back in the day um there was a feature on cbr where people showed off their man caves mm-hmm. their comic rooms and i was a part of that and uh the physical layout is the same. There's about 50,000 more books in there than there was at the time. But, uh, but it is available on the internet. If anyone cares to just Google Jason Wood comic room, you will find that article immediately. So it is there for the taking if someone's so inclined. Nice, nice. All right, hit us up with another. Another question? Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting one from Gordo, from Gordy Adams. My man. Which IP that hasn't been adapted to comics would you like to see, and what would your dream team be? I enjoyed this one because most everything has been turned into comics. Maybe not in a great way, but it's been done. That means, like, what film and or TV series or book. Or, or yeah, book. Or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Huh. I'm having a hard time because uh, basically everything has been like there's there's a, a as David loves to point out there's a Dune comic from Marvel. Uh, oh God, I forgot about that. Around the time when the <laughs> the Lynch movie came out. Um. I was gonna say Dark Tower, but uh, <laughs> Marvel Been did done. it. Yeah, yep. there's even Pacific Rim comics now. Yeah, well, that's—I mean, Legendary made the movie, so that was a given. I—I yeah. I got one. What's this? One of my tattoos. Oh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now there has been a Dirk Gently uh, in the Holistic Detective Agency comic made recently by IDW. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's but uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the uh, subsequent novels by Rest in Peace uh, Douglas Adams are without question among my favorite things ever of any type I've read them many times each and I would love a really great comic adaptation of that I think it's a wild science fiction romp where the visuals would be perfect in a animated form. Um, and so that's my answer. And in terms of dream creative teams, I'd have a uh, Chris Pacello on covers. Cause I could, cause I got the power. I'd have Mr. Remender writing it. And to no surprise to you too, I would have Mr. David Rubin draw it. Nice. And now you know Vince would buy it. Oh, sure. Totally. I would even buy We'd the variants. would be fighting over the OA. Yeah, buy the variants, too. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to cheat a little bit because Millennium put out a brief adaptation. I think they did the first two books, but they, they didn't do justice to the work. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Brian Lumley's Necroscope books. And so maybe there's six issues already See, been now, done. The, the only way, the only reason why you can get away with this cheat yeah, is because it's Gordy's question and he's going to allow it. Right. <laughs> if it were my question. I, I can't no. for the life of me think of an IP that hasn't been trans. All the classic horror movies and kaiju and stuff that you've Night Rider been in love with. There's nothing. Well, okay, you just go down the list. Like, there, Marvel did Godzilla, every, uh, Dark Horse, sure. you know, there's Ultraman comics, there's Gamera comics. There's Planet um, of the Apes. What about, all the, all, what about the horrible slash awesome C-list horror movies you love? Okay. Tuxedo Man just been done. Yes, and I have them all. <laughs> right. Um, okay, if, if, if I had my druthers, I would get someone to adapt – Alan Ormsby's Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. The creative team would be Steve Bissett Pencils. No, Bissett and Totalbin would, okay. would, would do the pencils. Rick Veach would ink it. Okay. And um, fuck it. Alan Moore would write it. All right. <laughs> Looks like so so it's, a, it's a swamp thing reunion. Yeah, it's, 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 it's team swamp thing back again. Deck the halls with bones of Orville. Swamp thing back again. <laughs> yes, I don't. Uh, yeah, that's a great answer. Perfect. It is. 
I like it a lot. So I didn't cheat. No, you didn't. But somebody didn't. really needs to do the Necroscope books. Do them right. All right. Yeah. Diggity daps. Uh, it's it's an answer that I've had for years, uh, ever since the TV show was on, even before it ended. Um, only because I think they could have made some really cool done-in-one stories as a show on um, TNT called Leverage about a bunch of uh, confidence men and women um, by Dean Devlin and I think John Rogers. But it's... um. I wouldn't get uh, LaRocca to do the art, even though all the likenesses are right there. But it's um, <laughs> it would probably actually I think because it's not because there is some action on the show. It's mostly um, I think they could have some pretty fun. They could have some fun with um, with setting up the cons and showing how um, everybody was was duped. Um, but I think as far as who could play that off visually, um, Eminem and Von Grobacher could quite easily. Um, as far as a writer, it, I, I don't know if I'd want just one, one solo writer, but it's, um, I could see Tom, having some fun with it. Um, definitely, definitely Kent. Matt would have no problem with, because uh, in some cases there might be a mystery aspect to it. So yeah. I, all right. Matt, Matt Kent, Stewart and, and Wade as your, as your creatives. But um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not gory. It's not over the top. It's not action packed. It's not, uh, sci-fi or anything is just more real lifey type stuff so that's why I think uh, Eminem would be ideal for it perfect well done sir thank you alright Vince we're knocking these questions out the box doing a very good now, job now tell us about them comics okay well Dap hasn't read this yet, but I know he has it on the way. So I will try not to let any of the pertinent details slide. But Jason went um, into some depth on this book when when he initially read it. I I believe, Jason, you read the singles. Um, I read this in in trade. It, It is written by John Lehman whom we know from uh, Chew and and other stuff. Um, He is the co-creator and writer. Um, Co-creator and artist is a little man. Well, he's not a little man, but uh, a guy we we call Sam Uh Keith, I before E. And uh, Rhonda Patterson is the colorist. It is called Eleanor and the Egret, and it, it comes out of Aftershock. And I guess I can I can tell you what the book is kind of sorta about, but um, as we've been conditioned to uh, from Mister uh, Keith's 
previous work, like the Max and um, the uh, the books he did for uh, was it Cliffhanger, the uh, Four Women. Was it Cliffhanger? Down. Oh no 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 crap. Keep talking. I'll find it. Um, nothing is cut and dried in a Sam Keith book. Like my inner bimbo, uh, reality under Sam Keith is is very, uh, let's say fluid, very malleable, and this Eleanor and the Egret is is no different. There are things in the book that are unexplained. Eleanor's Egret speaks, it talks, and not and she's able to hear it and other people are able to hear it it it, the the bird simply speaks and and the bird also has a penchant for eating art when it consumes art it gets bigger why is not fully explained the the why the bird talks is not fully explained the why the bird eats art depending on your perception um is explained but not directly uh there there's a a series of of um robberies so to speak uh famous works of art by this this artist named anastasia rue um, go missing. And uh, the latest incident, uh, the only thing left at the scene of the crime was a white feather. And so a uh, detective is brought in and the, and the story progresses. I, I can't really say a whole lot about it without spoiling um, it for, for Dap, but the book is is not... Uh, a crime story it's not a, a mystery it's it's more an examination of the artistic process and how influences both positive and negative can impact the artistic process i, I thought this book was wonderful if you are if you demand things be spelled out for you you're just not going to click with this book (laughs) right jason totally absolutely yeah um it's it's rendered in in keith's inimitable style uh not so much his max style but that of his later work like my inner bimbo and and other stuff um I got to give Sam Keith props because the man can draw and he doesn't squander his skill in rendering women. Like I say, there's a world of difference between Adam Hughes and Sam Keith. Adam Hughes draws women that are built for one thing. That's titillation, right? Sam Keith's women are anything but. And he's been carrying this archetype with him 
for a long time. Like, Eleanor is the quintessential Sam Keith girl. She's not jaw-droppingly gorgeous. No. She's kind of a little on the pudgy side. She's mm-hmm. she's she's very plain looking with glasses, but this seems to be the Sam Keith archetype, the 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 pinnacle of beauty to Sam Keith. And I got to say I dig it because it's a real world depiction of a woman. Not all women have the three-finger gap like Adam Hughes draws them. Like, that's nice to see, and there certainly is a place for that. And and I got to give Adam Hughes props. The man sells books just based on the, the voluptuousness, the gorgeousness of his women. The Sam Keith woman is not gorgeous. She's real. Mm-hmm. And I would take that over the titillation any day. Um. I don't know if there's a real-world counterpart to the Sam Keith woman. I hope there is, because that would make it even more heartfelt. But it just seems like when I encounter this Sam Keith woman, it's just a comfortable feeling of the imperfections work for me. This is how the real world works in 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 sam keith's stuff figures are distorted men more often than women are distorted they're long faces they have elongated bodies but he seems to cling to this one body type for his women and they all have the same hairstyle and the glasses. I love it. It just it, it it I'm in very familiar, very comfortable territory when I encounter this woman, mm-hmm. and and it obviously means a lot to Sam Keith because he keeps repeating this this body type. I just I adore it. Um, th- this book is is a fantastic story, meaning there are elements in it that are so outlandish. If I told you. In, in words, you'd be um, hard-pressed to believe me or to, you know, you need to see it on the page. It's very strange. But it's not anything different in the Sam Keith Auvois. It's This fits along very well next to the Max and um, Inner Bimbo, um, Friends of the Max. Like, this is just plain strange stuff. But as an artistic type, this book spoke to me. Because there, there's something that causes a bunch of uh, creative types. One's a writer, um, another is a, is a painter, to lose their mojo to the point where they can no longer create. And you find out what and the why and the how, and it's just it's just an amazing book. I I don't see this book coming out from. Um, any of the big two, like not even Vertigo. This this could only have come out from um, the dudes in the trenches, like like Aftershock, maybe Dark Horse. The seem it feels like a Dark Horse book, uh, but I just thought it was great. Um, five issue series collected by Aftershock recently. It's a fourteen ninety nine cover price, uh, substantially less if you get it from DCBService.com. dot com. And there's a spot varnish. On the cover. Uh-huh. Yeah. I loved it. And I was shocked 
that Jason did. Uh, okay, why? It just does not seem like something you'd vibe with to me. Knowing <clears throat> knowing your tastes, it it must have been a very good week for you when you read it. I, I'm not, you know, you know what I mean, because you are you you're not. What's how do I want to put it without making you sound like an ogre? Um, there are certain things in the book where you'd give the side eye to on a bad week. You'd be like, oh, I can't add that. But the fact that it did manage to connect with you, I, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm happy that it did. There you go. Yeah. That wasn't, if, that wasn't bad for me to say that, right? No. All right. And uh, if people do want to be spoiled, they can hear my very spoilerific discussion from episode 510 when we had Mr. Carlo Escada joining us. Mm-hmm. Happy well, later birthday, Carlo. I'm hoping yes. that Dap, yes, happy birthday. I'm hoping that Dap doesn't remember what you said. By the way, just to show you how strange it is in terms of our time memory, Yeah, I was reading the review here of the synopsis from episode 512, which was just in December, so three months ago. And reading the list of books, I I would have told you that some of these books we talked about a year ago, some of them we talked about like a week ago, and some we never talked about. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We talked about, on that episode, Gumby Summer and Winter Fun specials. Oh, yeah. Right. We had the Aftershock Orama, which included Shipwreck, which was Carlo bringing that to the table. I discussed Eleanor and the Egret. You discussed The Beautiful Death, one through three. Mm-hmm. Devil Man Grimoire. Rumble. <laughs> Vampirella. <laughs> Maestro's number three. And Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. Yeah. I remember talking about most of those, but I would never have guessed that they were all three months ago. Wow. Guess what my in your travels is for this week? Beautiful Death. No. Devil Man Grimoire. Yes, Volume Two just came out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ridiculous. By Go Nagai and Rui Takato. Yes. Nice. Woo-hoo, look at you dropping the knowledge. <laughs> Sir. Okay. Flip a dippa. This is a softball. Flippa loves us. He gives us softballs. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. Flippa dippa says, "What have been the advantages of hosting?" A successful comic book podcast. Any disadvantages? If you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? Hmm. It's not so soft a ball. What? I don't think it's a softball. Because it, 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 the potential to treading into unpleasant territory is there. Because the, the, for me, the major drawback of doing a, a a semi-successful comic book podcast is the ability to read comics purely for enjoyment's sake is totally gone. I'm unable Ooh. to, I'm unable to read a book just for the hell of it. That saddens me. Yeah, that saddens me too. I'm definitely not in that camp. I'm always I definitely read tons of stuff that we don't even talk about or sometimes we talk about it only because I read it because I wanted to and then thought it was worth talking about. But if it fell significantly on either side of the spectrum, if it was so bad 
that you you wanted to to talk about it, or if it was so good you wanted to bring it to the table. When you open up a, a book, you're never thinking about David and myself and how you would talk about this book to us. Oh, definitely. But well, you th- said that's you what were, I'm saying. You, but but you you're 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 giving the 180 of the extremes. Your statement just before that was that you find it impossible to read comics for the enjoyment anymore. And, and it I, is I, impossible I because I'm going into it thinking either, you know, Jason would hate this or love this, or David would absolutely loathe this comic. The, the, and had we never done this show, I wouldn't be thinking that. Or uh, I'll, I'll look at the art and, and I try and approximate in, in stupid language how this art makes me feel as I'm reading it. I I wouldn't have to do that if I didn't have to talk about the book somewhere down the line or not talk about the book. But the 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 discernment of 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 how I'm going to translate an abstract thing like art into another abstract thing like language is always there. Because that's what we do. So it is impossible for me to just sit back and read a book solely for enjoyment. It's like not once for me. it's like once it's not you, impossible for me at all. Well, once you if you're an artist, once you get you once you start getting paid for your work, you look at it you look at the process in a totally different light. Ask Scotty. I mean, he'll be the first to tell you, right? Um there's a point where there's no turning back, no going home again. And I think we're way past that with this show. I do enjoy reading comics, but not solely for the joy of of reading comics. That that's gone. All right, so that's a disadvantage to your point. Yeah. What about advantages? The fact that we get to meet such awesome people. Mm-hmm. As like the people that listen, um, I'm not. I'm not going to be the the Mick Jagger star fucker and say you know Scotty and and Remender and no. I'm talking about just people. Uh, anybody who has been affected, good or bad, by whatever we've said, or people that consider us part of their lives because they listen to us. Meeting those people is awesome. For sure. Yeah. Did I bring the room down? No, I feel I feel I feel bad for you. I feel bad that you feel so burdened <laughs> in reading comics. Like I, I would never. I, I got to tell you, I would have quit the show years ago if I had that perspective. <laughs> I, would, I like. I would never. I mean, I think I, that that I think there are definitely weeks that are like that. three of us now. But there there are weeks I feel like that. In fact, one of my disadvantages was sometimes it makes reading comics feel like a job. But generally, that's in specific circumstances where either a I'm so freaking busy with everything else that I feel like I have to read some things um, because I need something to talk about. And, and often that can mean that I, even if it was something I enjoyed, I didn't truly get to focus on it with as much as I would like to have. But most often that's when um, that it feels like a job when, and luckily this is a rarity, but it happened not too long ago where I'll have a, a couple weeks streak where just no matter what I seem to read, I'm just not vibing with it. And generally we try not to 
be an overtly negative show. I don't think we run away from criticism of books that we didn't care for, but but we try to have a far more significant positive vibe than negative vibe. And so it does feel tricky on those rare occasions where you just didn't vibe with anything and you have to play a part because you, it's almost impossible not to just be the downer. Um, but those are definitely inconsequential relative to the advantages of, of, of doing the show to me. The, uh, yeah, you were close Jason with, I thought maybe where you were headed. Uh, the, the only disadvantage I, I can think of, um, would be if we all, whether it's the book of the month or it's something that the three of us agreed to read, to talk about. And it was something that we weren't feeling. Um, were I just reading it to read a comic for fun, would I continue to read it or would I stop to read something I am enjoying or am I pushing through because we're going to talk about it on the show? And and in some cases, you know, maybe by the time we get to the conversation, you guys will have opened my eyes to something I didn't see. Uh, but, yeah, it, it doesn't – there are – I hate to say, you know, there are times where it feels like a job, but there are some aspects where, uh, and it's basically like you said, Jason, where you have to, where we're, we've, we've kind of given our word that something was going to happen or I usually, I won't, if I have a few things that I have on the stack to read, and I made no promises to anybody. And these are just the things that I'm going to read. Then I'll, if I'm not feeling them, I won't push it and I'll put them off to the side and they'll never make it on my list or I'll mention them offhandedly. But I think that would, for me, that's really the only time it would be a disadvantage is, is if I read something that I wasn't vibing and it was, because we were going to talk about it on the show. Mm -hmm. And let's not downplay the advantages here, which maybe for are, are oft stated, I would hope, but um, just I'm an insanely logical person. And so if one was being analytical, thinking about this question from home listening, you would conclude, I think that it, we would have to be fairly irrational human beings to, be doing this every week for fast approaching a decade. If it didn't have a tremendous amount of positives, um, you know, we, we would have wrapped this up. Right. I mean, it, like, like none of us are, uh, we're not into masochism. Um, but, but I mean, look, uh, at the risk of, uh, of going into the, the corny side, I mean, and we've said this before on anniversary shows and stuff, but I mean, listen, two of you two are, two of my very best friends in the world. And that, that happened because of the show. Right. right so right. like that alone is awesome. And, you know, I know you were joking about the star fucking, but I, I'm not going to lie. It's fucking great to have the access that we have. I mean, it's a hell of a flattering thing to have publishers give us comps and respond to our, you know, requests and to 
offer us access to really anything that we need or want, um, which is incredible, right? I mean, it's it's incredible that there's not a comic book creator on the earth that we can't at least ask to come on. Not to say some do. I mean, we've had plenty of people say pass, but but when we do, it's never a we we're we're rarely if ever in a position where they just ignore us or say who the hell are you guys right I mean it's generally oh right. we, I don't do shows that's incredibly flattering flat flattering <laughs> flattering right um, are you Popeye yeah seriously <laughs> it, 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 it. it's flattering um, you know what I'm saying I mean I, I think that's uh, we all like to have ego boosts and and it's it's insanely gratifying to be at a major comic con like New York or. C two E two or Chicago or, uh, or Heroes, and to feel like there's not an aisle that we walk down that that we don't have a friend in that aisle, whether it be a creator or a listener or just a person we've made f- friends through through years of being in the scene, right? Um, I mean, extending beyond you t- you two knuckleheads, uh, I mean, we've got an entire posse. I mean, our our crew that's coming to Heroes. I'm I'm you know back to the question about what makes you giddy like you were a kid that makes me giddy yes. i mean we speak every day to each other about how excited we are for something that's happening in three months mm-hmm. and by the way i'm going on an insanely ridiculous over-the-top luxury cruise for 10 days that even better i'm not even paying for uh right after heroes and i haven't given that a passing thought because i'm way more excited to be hanging out with you knuckleheads and all of our other homies in Charlotte for four days. Sure. So it's going to be hard for us to find a table when we go out to eat. That's, that's how many, what I'm saying. That's how many people are coming. So the advantage is it's like a thousand to one. Right. Um, you know, so I know flip asked for both and that's why we offered both. But, but for me, it's, it's like a thousand positives to, to the occasional negative. And the only other minor nit I'll throw out there. Uh, and this is a first world problem is I do have, I do find that I'm reading fewer prose books than I did before we started doing the show. Um, I'm okay with that though. Cause I still feel like I read more prose than most people. So uh, it's not like I've abandoned that, but I, I used to be, I used to go when we didn't have the show to do. I mean, for let's say that 10 year window before the show, I would have phases where say for three to four months, I would just read books, prose books. You know, and I wouldn't read really any comics and just let them stack up and, and, and pile up. And, and then I'd get into a phase where I just start devouring comics. It would be a little more cyclical. Now I squeeze in books almost as a discipline um, here or there. I try and read at least one a month as my, my personal goal. But I used to read a lot more than that. So, so I, would, I, I wouldn't mind having more time to read prose. Um, but I also figure I've got decades more of my life to be an old man sitting around reading books that I get from the library or my Kindle. Right. So one of the things that I used to do that I don't because of the show is say I wanted to revisit a series. I would read nothing but that series until I completed it. That doesn't work in an arena that we've created. If I Mm -hmm. came, if I came to the show three weeks in a row talking about whatever, say poison elves. It would tend to get boring to the listener and maybe, maybe for both of you, but that's the kind of, Oh my goodness. Hi, my, my, my Yorkie. What? 
What do you want? <laughs> That's I want the, you. That, look at you, big man. That's the kind of laser beam for, focus I have where I have to, if I start it, I have to finish it. Sure. And sure. I, would, I would like to bring something like that to the show, but I fear that it would get stale. If I if I talk about one thing, mm-hmm. albeit different slices of one thing for three four weeks in a row, it's like mm, I guess you know he really doesn't want to read anything else. He's just talking about this same damn thing he talked about last week and the week before that. But I think in doing that, you 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 get you get the proper perspective on a on a on a long form work. Like we we've talked about books where we focus on like say five to 10 issues of a certain series, but it's in a much larger footprint like fantastic four. We've talked about Burns mm-hmm. run and we talked about Simonson and we talked, I would love to just, but then the, you know, we'd have to call it, you know, fantastic four o'clock comics if we just did. But th- I think there's something to be said for, for long form investigations into something. And we don't do that. We've never done that. I would like to do that somewhere down the line. Sounds like a great patron feature. Yeah. Bonus feature. Right. Even though the payoff's not there at the end, like Cerebus. I think Cerebus is worthy of of reading and talking about the entire mm-hmm. series. Well, listen, I mean, we should give credit where credit is due because CGS, when they were in their prime and had everybody, all the OG cast, were... They would do that. They, in fact, even had Dave Sim on once every month or two to go through a volume of Cerebus, or they had Terry Moore on to go through one of the phone books of Strangers in Paradise, or they did um, multi-hour episodes for each issue of Crisis. So they definitely did that. I mean, I, I definitely think that was one of their better better aspects of, the, of their show when they were doing it five days a week. Right. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about what you're saying right now is it's totally doable. It so is. Nothing's precluding us from doing that. All right. Mm. Except for the dainty flower who doesn't like to do that over here. I don't know who you're talking about. Dap. I know Dap would be Wait, so in. What? If we I'm talk, kidding, what if we... dude. I'm kidding, Jesus. <laughs> my, my dude. My dude. Pull up. Relax, dude. <sighs> I have a dog on my lap. I've never recorded an episode with a dog Weird. on my lap. I had a dog attacking my shin. Not so much attacking, just all curled up around my shin this afternoon, this evening. I, there's a there's a small white dog at the dry cleaners. We we've been in this house since 2005. I rarely go to the dry cleaners. I picked up my suits from there today. This 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 dog is always curled up in his bed whenever I walk into this place. And today I open up the door and I hear some barking. The dog comes trotting out from behind all the racks of plastic covered clothes, trots right up to me and starts like headbutting my shin. So I bend over to pet him. The owner rings me up. I go to give her the money and this dog is picking his paw up and scratching at my shoe because I stopped petting him. So I had to oh. stop and keep petting him. I would have left the directing like five minutes earlier if 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 I wasn't having fun. Man, I was just, and and now I 
it's I've wanted a dog, but now it's just that just yeah. hammered the point home. Little guy did you a favor. Told you it was time. Yeah. Maybe Lucas knows we're getting a cat. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> In my lap, motherfucker. All right. So uh, do we do another question or do we persevere here on How many? We have, what, two more questions? Two more questions. So we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll have Jason talk about a comic, then we'll go back to the questions. Why don't you talk about a comic? Because yeah. I thought about Vampironica. Thank you very much. Okay. All well, right. You only read one thing. Hmm. Wow. Well, yes. Know, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> Um, well, this is this is speaking of uh, of our peoples. I caught up with I Hate Fairyland. Oh, nice! I know the written, guy who does that. Yeah, written and drawn by this dude named Scotty Young. He might have a future in the biz. I think I so. We'll I hope see. Marvel picks him up. He's no Sam Keith, but you know. Um, no, so so uh, we have talked about I Hate Fairyland many times before, and I believe though the last time we discussed it on the show was issue eleven. Which was pertinent because we were in it. So I was talking about stroking our own egos. Scotty drew us in that book. Um, it was the dungeon. We were in the free comic book day issue. No, the free the comic I hate image is the I hate image. We're not in that. We're in the we're in the issue eleven where we're sorting through long boxes at, at okay all right. at Dungeon Fan Expo Con. Yeah, no, I, I know the page. It is okay. I didn't yeah. know that was the issue. Okay, yeah, it's issue eleven where uh, when that that was in the start of the arc where um uh she had just gert had just stopped being the queen and was back being solo dolo and trying to be a better person um and she goes to fan expo to meet gwag the barbarian who is her 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 hero gwag is uh an oversized um red sonia type of a character that uh is Totally standoffish to Gert. She's all kinds of butthurt because listen, we all hate when we go to meet a hero or a, someone we're a fan of and they're jerks. Um, and then she comes across Maddie, who is her, is her meaning Gert's biggest fan. Maddie dresses like Gert. She knows all about about Gert's ex, uh, es, escapades and wants to be her BFF. Uh, and so at first, Gert's like, "Oh, this is the coolest thing ever." But through the course of the issue, it gets hella annoying to the point where Gert does what Gert does and kills. Maddie by pushing her off of a cliff. Um, then we jump to issue number 12, which is the first of, I read 12 through 17. So I was about, uh, about six months behind. Sorry, Scotty. Um, so issue 12 is freaking genius. It is a ninja themed issue where Scotty plays with the idea of the old um, martial arts movies. And he chooses to do the layouts in that way. So there are hella speed lines in this issue and tons of horizontal panels that go across both pages uh, and huge close-ups at like just the eyeball level. You know how those movies would always do that? Like in moments you do like dun dun and they like focus on the guy's face or his, his furrowed brow. So Scotty does that basically Gertz on a mission to break into a village to rescue a baby. And the village is called Shiitake. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you might imagine, all of the the martial arts artists, samurais really in, in this village are uh are shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> so so Gertz obviously having none of that and she slices and dices the whole fucking place and uh and rescues the baby. 
and again, it's, this is her attempt to be good. She's trying to be good. She brings the baby back to this gigantic monster-looking mama, and uh, the mama grabs the baby and eats it. <laughs> and Gert's like, dude, I rescued the baby so you could eat it? So it's like, even Gert's trying to be good, she just can't. And then issue 13 is a massive, massive outlier from the rest of the series. And I don't know if you guys are caught up or at all, but 13 is uh, maybe the most daring issue that Scotty did because um, the plot is simple. It's uh, it's it's Larry, you know, Larry Gertrude's little fly sidekick, you know, her mm-hmm. guide. He is daydreaming and he's having a dream about what if he never met Gert. So it goes all the way back to when he was a, a little baby fly, a little maggot. And all of his, as with flies would have, he has tons and tons of siblings. But also, just like a fly, his siblings continue to just die throughout the book by doing stupid shit. Because as we know, most flies don't live very long. And the reason I say it's it's a daring outlier is that uh, Scotty switches up his visual style in the book. And he draws the flashback pages, which is most of the book to look like Ren and Stimpy style. <laughs> so it's if you looked at the book, you would never guess it's Scotty drawing it, unless you saw the credits and that it's Scotty drawing it. So I, I, I thought it was great to see him try a different visual style, and not surprisingly, he slays it. I mean, he doesn't skip a beat. Um, and um, I won't get into great detail, but it's, it's, it's a funny look at, at Larry's life and what might have been if he never met Gertrude. Um, and then we're kind of back to the main story in 14 where we meet this dude named Loveth Lovelord. And he's kind of like a Lord Fauntleroy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's dressed in kind of uh, royal or like Renaissance garb. But you can't miss. He's got this distracting gold pouch. But the pouch is in the shape of a Balzac. And it's hanging low enough that it looks like he's got a golden ball, Zach. And Gert just can't take her eyes off of it. And she's like, this is disgusting. But but she's she she's she's gone to see him because she heard he can grant wishes. And he so he pulls out of his pouch two glowing blue Benoit balls that are his balls, his balls of redemption. And if she can make it through his labyrinth successfully, she can lay claim to his balls. And, and get her wish. So she goes through the labyrinth through the issue. And um, the main conceit is that she keeps coming across different entities, different creatures, different beings. And they all propose to her. They all want to marry her. <laughs> and so Gert, Gert does what Gert does is she basically kills each one of them for asking to marry her. Um, and spoiler, she, she does get to the center and she, she gets to, to grab the uh, Lord love, love Lord's balls. <laughs> and, uh, make a wish that she becomes good. Um, and that's how the issue ends. She's now good Gert, but it's like a brainwashing good where she's essentially sickeningly, sweetly good to a fault. And it's kind of one of those, be careful what you wish for things. So in 15, which is the final issue of this volume of this arc, she is spending the entire issue as good Gert going around doing legitimately good deeds for the first time. And as a result, having real success, it's the whole you get more flies with with sugar than or with honey than vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, throughout the entire series, she's been trying to find a way home to, for naught. And in this issue, because she's actually being good, she continues to be given clues and help 
until she gets to a point where she has the capacity to go home and things are golden. But unfortunately, this is a cruel world. And as she's about to walk through the portal to go home, she trips and falls and impales herself to death. And she's dead. Goddamn Scotty. Goddamn Scotty. But because this is, first of all, it's not the end of the series. And second of all, it's, it's, I hate fairyland. She is then when she dies, she's cured of the, of the spell. She's no longer good, but she's also finds herself plummeting into the afterlife. That is hell. And she is, uh, confronted with the devil who takes on many different forms, many from characters, essentially from the series so far that she's done, done ill will towards. Uh, and finally, uh, she is sent home, but it's, it's torture. It's the devil torturing her. So she's back home with her parents and awful things happen to her parents repeatedly. And it's, it's, it's pretty terrible, but Gert being Gert and being tough as nails kind of handles it. And she's like, whatever, dude, like this doesn't bother me. So the, the devil gets so verklempt that he's like, you know what? The, the only way to really punish you is not to send you to a place where you want to be and seeing it go wrong. It's sending you back to the one place you don't want to be. So he resurrects her and sends her back to Fairyland. And which brings us to the last issue that came out, issue 17, where she's back in Fairyland, pissed off, fucking irate. And um, Horabella, the evil witch who's been in the book, you know, in several issues, apparently was partly responsible for Gert dying, which was what the devil wanted. Essentially, she had made a deal with the devil. So she calls up the devil and asks for uh, her, her end of the, his to him, for him to pay up his end of the bargain. And the devil says, we had a deal. So he um, puts a package into the mail and uh, our old friend, our old friend, our old friend, Duncan dragon, the dragon boy um, is now a delivery boy. And he delivers the package to Harabella, the witch, Harbella opens it up and it's a thing of bones and she's cooking as all witches do in a cauldron and puts the bones in and does this spell and uh, out from the cauldron bursts this, um, it's a, not a zombie, but like a horribly burnt, misfigured uh, humanoid with glowing eyes and uh, almost like a mummy, an unwrapped mummy, I guess it might look like. And uh, the thing kills Harbella and walks off cloaked saying in a slithery, almost snake-like voice, I hate Fairyland. So I'm presuming this is going to be the big bad that's maybe finally going to be able to, to go at Gert one-on-one. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's continues to be a great series. Um, the thing I'll say is that, is that um, reading that many issues together gave me an even greater appreciation for, the fun Scotty's having playing with different genres and settings. Um, you know, each of these issues was a completely different premise, uh, setting tone, um, visual cues, background. So it must be, you could tell he's having a lot of fun with this book. And, and I think it's, it's there on the page. It's, it's a legitimately funny book. And, uh, as we discussed with, um, with things like ne- next wave and Deadpool and stuff, you know, humor is subjective. So, um, I give him credit for finding a way to make me laugh each and every issue. I got to catch up. Same. No, for sure. You do. Dude, shiitake. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> I mean, seriously, dude. I could see Scotty giggling as he's coming up with this shit. Balls of redemption, dude. Ben <laughs> balls. Well, he got that from me. Dude, I want to know what's up with him and Case. You know what I'm saying? They'll bet that the Benoit ball life? I don't know. Nah. I don't know, man. Nah. She's a lady. 
By the way, did we say happy belated birthday to him? I don't think we did, but happy birthday, Scotty. Yeah, you turned turned a big four zero two weeks ago. Forty. He's old. No doubt. The um, are 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 you all caught up on um, Bloodshot Salvation? Are you dragging your feet on that shit? I didn't read the one that just came out. Oh my goodness! The 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 anti snowblind issue. First of all, yeah, it's, it's um, it is even even though every like eighty percent of the issue is black. It's still this. I was still man. I, oh God! All right, so the uh, so you're gonna spoil the issue on me? No, no, I won't do that to you. To my best. So the um, the oh my goodness the first the first five issues is book one um, and man I between Lemire and Larosa and um, Miko they've just they're I felt so bad for Ray and right it's just it's it was. Is gut wrenching, and he's and and what they get away with because the nanites leave Ray. Um, I won't explain why or how, but they they he's now he, he went from Bloodshot to being Ray in the blink of an eye, and so he he's in Ohio because Magic, his baby mama. Uh, her daddy has been calling. So Ray's like, well, daddy's no good. I'm going to go take care of him. So he goes to this compound. It's basically a cult. Um, he's going to kill daddy. Turns into bloodshot to do it. The nanites leave him. And so now he's pretty much vulnerable. And he gets attacked. Crap beat out of him. Uh, baseball bats to the head and everything like that. They wake him up by pissing on him and and it's just it's you know these ancient daddies valiant comic books there's there's some there's actual like dirt and grit going on in these pages and and larosa's work just really hammers that home um but after the first arc it it ends with um, with Ray handling his business, but he finds out that there's a problem with Jesse with his magic's baby. So uh, he he rushes back with Ninjack. Yeah, that's just one thing I, I just wanted to add. Ray wouldn't have been able to handle his business if it wasn't for Ninjack. Exactly. Yeah, because he was still he was still nanite free. Um, so so. He basically plays Lois to, to Ninjak Superman and they they um they get back home or or to Magic and Jesse. Um and I mean and, and the covers kind of give it away basically. Magic is distraught and, and at wit's end because Jesse is basically a little baby bloodshot. Um so she has nanites. Um everybody's kind of surprised at that. But the second book 
um, because they don't know how to treat Jesse and, and she's basically dying right in front of them. Uh, even though she's, she has the nanites in her system. Uh, Ninjak lets Ray and magic know that there's one person that he can't guarantee can help, but is basically their one best shot. So they go to Nolan's and find Shadow Man, mm-hmm. who opens up the door to the dead side. And then and and the the seventh issue is basically Ray's adventure and and Jesse uh on the other side. And this issue Ray can't see. Right. And and this is issue six and seven is by um, illustrated by Bernardo Geddes and and this is amazing work from the man and that's been my biggest word of the night but it it's I mean I last time I saw Geddes I think was in the pre New Fifty Two Superman stuff that uh, Busiek had written and and it looks nothing like this this is this is gorgeous work. Um, so you got Ray, you got Bloodhound, they're um Ninjax with them and they're gonna go bring Jesse to uh to New Orleans and like I said, the seventh issue picks up where Ray can't see shit and um I won't say anything more than that, but even though Ray can't see anything, you still I don't know how the hell. I have no idea how Lemire does this, but you still feel everything that Ray is going through, and this is—it's it, almost as if you were reading a prose book, Jason. There's just the 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 things that happen in this issue, uh, but not like a John Byrne way. Not quite. Like not, not overly wordy. Uh no, Claremont didn't write it. it it's it's a well, um, I mean, Burns gonna like that now too. But... Is he? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think so. <laughs> no, I mean I haven't written I haven't read anything that 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 he's done in a while because I yeah. Um. But it, between between the sound effects and 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 what Ray feels like he's going through, the only real problem I have with the seventh issue is uh there's there's a part where Ray was swimming. And when we get to the end, he don't look very wet. And and it's just <laughs> but I guess, you know, things are different on the dead side. But it nah. it's then I clean them out, man. Must have been it. And oh. and uh, dried them off and everything. Um everything. But that, that the last page is absolutely gorgeous. I it's you just you really feel I mean, between the first Stark where where, where where bloodshot is out for revenge and then this second story um with everything that ray is going through so he can save his daughter it's um it, this is not this is not the the punisher knockoff hitman that bloodshot started out as and i, I mean i mean the, the the olden days bloodshot not not just the, the new valiant but you know th- this is it, it's weird that you feel for this dude and it's um 
it's just been great stuff between the story of Lemire's telling and and the artist he has working with him. It's it is fantastic. If uh, I, I wasn't sure if this was, I thought because I was about I read the first issue, I had to catch up with the last couple, and then uh, and I wasn't sure if I would get everything done for tonight. Um, but once, once I read six and, and again, and, and somewhat like Vampironica, it's, you could turn the pages kind of quickly. Um, but in, in bloodshot's case, it's because it is fast paced. It's, it's, I mean, and, and Vampironica's deliberately paced, but this was, there's, because of, of of the urgency everybody is walking around with and and the way the art flows you you're able to you're turning the pages quickly but that's because that's how fast-paced everybody is in this world and and it, it's it really is a, a nice blend a really solid blend of words mm-hmm. and pictures it's it's um i'm quite quite happy with uh with what they got going on with bloodshot salvation yeah. You have all these Mark-ass busters that snicker when we talk about Valiant. They just don't know. No, they don't. They don't. Um, if you wanted to see more Gettys, uh, you're probably not caught up on EXO. Oh, the EXO, right. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah. He did I started that. flipping through that, but that was that was mostly about the... Um, the bounty hunters. Bounty hunters, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and the thing that disturbed me about the first book, um, it's strongly implied... That magic's father's a pedophile. Yes, mm-hmm. but they—I mean—they never. The, yes, it's it's said in a manner of words like these two girls are going to be my brides for for the Jesus or whatever that he said. But yeah. it's disgusting. The, these young angelic children who are thrall to this this disgusting old man, and he wants magic back for a reason that it was it's it's just strongly hinted at that there was some very bad sexual misconduct between Pappy and Magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just and it's dirty. It's disgusting. And and when when Ray finally does the deed you you kind of root for him cuz mm-hmm. I would have did the same thing. Nanites are not and in his case not. So, yeah, great stuff. It's the Valiant Era, bitches. Get on the train. Yes, (laughs) sir. Okay, next question Mm -hmm. from Mr. Keith Amaral. This came to me while listening to you discuss Civil War and how you felt many enjoy that story less in hindsight. What is one comic or comic storyline or series? That in hindsight, you feel that you convinced yourself to like at the time it came out based on things like the hype machine or your own connection to a character or creator. Maybe you discovered it upon reread or maybe you just knew without a reread that you weren't being honest with yourself. Hmm. Can I go first? Because you're probably going to take my answer. One of you will take my answer. Sure. Secret Wars 2. You had me until you said 2. Really? <laughs> Secret Wars is I have three on I have three written down Secret Wars is the number one. It, it's it's a lot of comics that we read back in the day were uh 
had a lot of exposition and and retold things over and over again. And it was just sign of the times. But but rereading Secret Wars a few years ago for the start of the new Secret Wars was tedious, and I couldn't believe how how bad it was from a structural standpoint. Wow, I still I mean, like it. it, it Right, but it's a nostalgic thing. I like it because of how it made me feel at the time and how cool it was to have all of these characters um, mashed in together. But but it, it's, it is an absolute train wreck. I mean, it doesn't make sense from issue to issue, structurally. So the nostalgia is strong. The empirical review of it, awful. Like, I can't imagine giving either of Secret Wars volumes to a comic reader who didn't read them back then and have them not want to slap us in the face afterward. Didn't you buy the box? No. Oh, you didn't? No. Hmm. All right, so Secret Wars and Secret Wars 2. Go ahead, Dad. I love everything I read. Uh, (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Your middle name is Side-Eye. Oh, damn! That's rough. Um, No, there's... uh, Oh crap! I had it too. I didn't write it down. Motherfuck. Uh... You're killing me. Why the hell? Someone else go. Uh, it's gonna come back. To All me. right, I got two. Fish. I got two more. I'll just throw them out there. Camelot three thousand. Mm-hmm. When Coast... that when that deluxe hardcover came out, I Coast reread side. it. Oh, yeah. I thought, wow, this is really bad. Um, and the last one's probably gonna hurt Vince's heart a little bit. But I thought when we reread Ronin, it it didn't it, it I didn't enjoy it as much as I remembered enjoying it when I first read it. We must there's be... a recency there. There's a recency there. I, I, I that one just came to mind because we just reread it. Yeah, we're having technical difficulties because I don't I didn't quite catch what, <laughs> what you said. Hey, two out of three ain't bad. We agreed on two of them. I still didn't hear it. That's fine. I'm not going to repeat myself. How about you? <laughs> um, I, I think I have a couple. I adored Batman Year One. And when they started doing the Year Two, is, mm-hmm. isn't Year Two the one where McFarlane stepped in? Yes. I wanted or stepped to, out. Yeah. yeah, I wanted mm-hmm. to like it because it mm-hmm. was Year Two. Yeah, there was no love in my heart for that. No, no, no. It was it was it was an obvious just cash in attempt. Yeah, and it was. I'd agree with that. Done by one of my all time favorite comic book artists on one of my favorite characters, and it just didn't it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just think of one yet, that. Um. Son of a bitch! Wow! No, I either that or I just like I block crap out because I'm trying to because I never I I never finished Camelot three thousand so I can't have that on my list. Um, There and I haven't revisited enough so like like I could probably say uh, zero hour but. I'm just thinking about that through rose-colored glasses. The same thing with Armageddon 2001, because I'll sometimes I'll 
Oh, when I'm on. when I'm no, but I'm saying when I'm cataloging stuff and I like, oh, let me reread this Justice League annual, and it's like, oh, that was fun because it was an anthology, but like the event as a whole, because I haven't read it, I it it's it's weird. There's probably um, oh, I got one. What? No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The hype and the critical acclaim that Starman received prompted me to read it. (laughs) That would would never even be on my list. Okay, go ahead. Back in the day, I I didn't... Isn't that different, though? Because he's saying one that you you liked or thought you liked back then. Well, no. Back in the day, everybody at the shop was clamoring for Starman. You got to read this. It's so good. I came into it about issue eight or nine. Mm -hmm. You know, got the first... um, I bought up the issues... And because the hype was so great, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, am I missing something? And I continue to read it through the entirety of the run. I've read the Shade miniseries. Shit was torture. I just, I, that's one series that I never really clicked with. And I kept reading it because the guys at the shop would talk about it and they, and there, it was the greatest thing ever. And, I, I, maybe I should go back and reread it because it's – maybe I just missed something. But Starman is one of those series where I just – I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Did, did you like it? I, 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 yeah, I did. I didn't, I didn't read it coming out. So it was always one of those books, frankly, when the podcasting scene started taking off, it felt like one of those books that everybody talked about as the thing they wish was reprinted never was. Mm-hmm. And then they reprinted it, so I bought all those um, hardcovers and read them and did very much enjoy it. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll never hear me say another good word about it because of that fucking Tony Harris that's involved. But <laughs> but uh, he he can go screw for uh, what a piece of shit he is. But, um, but, but yes, before I had that opinion of Tony, um, I, I, I did enjoy the series, yeah. I have another one. And oh, I, I, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's much the same. Um, blueprint is why the last man. Whoa! Holy shit, dude! Now I, I own that. That you just, you just broke a lot of people's hearts. Um, oh my god! I just I, don't I, like. I've it. only, I've only read the first trade. Yeah, but I'll, again, if you just didn't like it from the start, that's not the question. No, that's. See, you're asking what series in hindsight like i read it and i convinced myself to keep reading it because it was a critical darling and everybody was talking about it at the shops but in hindsight i don't think i enjoyed it because i don't have very fond memories of reading why the last man (sighs) um i need my i need my nitro there's like a palpitation he's he's coming elizabeth the uh now there are parts of this story that I do think are neat and are kind of cool, but I don't think I'm in any sort of rush to reread Kingdom Come. Interesting. Um, yeah, I got to part ways with you on that one, buddy. Yeah, me too. That's cool. Now here, on the flip side, what series did you originally read back in the day? And it didn't really do all that much for you, but you reread it many years later, and you think it's 
you know, among the greatest things. Well, that's very easy because you guys have lived through it for me. It was it, the, the first two that come to mind are Grant Morrison's new X-Men run yep. and, and a hundred bullets, both of which are now easily in my all time favorite runs. Mm-hmm. So mine's pretty easy. Or one of mine, JSA. I just bought it because I bought all DC books back then. I read it as a, almost as a chore and I recently not recently but you know a couple years ago went back and at least read the first half and it's so damn good much better than I remember it being you're you're of course talking about the Jeff Johns run yes the Jeff Johns run mm-hmm yep same thing with, uh, with Hawkman I never read Hawkman oh it's so good well, you are setting up an incredible segue, if that wasn't I your intent. I know. That's why I did it. So, Dap, this is usually your thing. Do you want to go ahead, even though you were unable to post it? No, go ahead. You do it. Are you sure? I am positive. Okay. Well, our man Dap had to suffer through some power issues, so um, I tried and probably miserably failed to step into his cavernous shoes for the month and uh, set up the Book of the Month voting on Patreon. And we're, the voting is closed. We've got our winner. It was, it was a pretty convincing, a convincing outcome, and, and it likely has to do with the fact that you all love Vince a lot. So once he talked about this book, it was almost destined to win. But I will run down the, the choices first. Your 11 choices for the month were John Byrne's Superman Man of Steel Volume 2, Classic G.I. Joe Volume 1, Everything is Flammable, Hack Slash Omnibus Volume 1, mm. House, of, <laughs> House of M, JSA by Jeff Johns, Book 1, Preacher Volume 1, The Book of Mr. Natural, The Invisibles Volume 1, What If Classic Volume 1, and Will Eisner's The Spirit, mm. The New Adventures Hardcover. Oh, so, so we're reading The Spirit. The, <laughs> well, the spirit uh, got 5% of the vote. That's pitiful. Um, in third place with 14% of the vote was the G.I. Joe Volume 1. Mm. In second place with 19% of the vote was the Invisibles Volume 1. Oh. But the winner with nearly one-third of the voting, 32% to be exact, is, as Vince alluded in his oh-so-well-timed segue, JSA by Jeff Johns, Book 1 a book that both Vince and I are on the record as loving and that Dap is on the record as having not yet read. So it should make for an interesting episode. Yes. Can't yes. wait. Can't wait. And it's unusual because normally I feel like the book of the months goes something akin to Vince has always read it already. Usually Vince and David have read it. Sometimes all three of us have read it, but I'm always the one that's either read it much more recently because I didn't read it coming out. Uh, or hadn't read it, whereas this time it's going to be the flip. I read it coming out, loved it, haven't read it since. Vince just recently reread it, and Dap has yet to read it. So it's going to be a different episode, but that's yes, good. Sir. That's good for yeah. sure. Next one of these times when we collate our book of the month choices, let's all pick things we haven't read. Cool. It may be hard, but I think we should. It would be nice to come into something fresh. 
So fresh, he's so fresh. And, and that's in addition to the comfort zone stuff mm-hmm. that, that we have to do. So that none of us is bred. Yeah. It's going to be hard, but I'm down for right. it. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, I can name five things that I haven't read, but you might have. I mean, you're so old. That's... You've read almost everything, so. No, uh, Vince, I, I so. haven't read everything. Um, and I I posed this question or this this idea to the guys on Slack where we should have a book of the month that's not collected that forces you to either get the issues physically or digitally mm-hmm. in a way that is, is commonplace to us having come up uh, in the comic industry a long, long time ago when we wanted to read a run of a, a popular book, there wasn't a trade available. So we had to go get the back issues. I think um, it would be cool for y'all to experience what that's like. Now we won't do a hundred issue run. We'll do something like 15 issues or less. And I, and you know, that, that would be a, a neat little experiment. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're going to do a voting for a book that none of us have ever read, we may have to break our normal rules and not do 11 choices. Okay. So I think finding 11 choices that we all three have never read is going to be very difficult. Okay. But we'll brainstorm and see if we can come up with at least a handful and try it. Yep. All right. Last question for the night from patron Vishal Rajani, who just this week was talking to me about trying to buy his first piece of OA and I wasn't able to help him, but I love that he's getting that bug. Um, He said, what if all comic book creators vanish suddenly? And as a result, the EOC hosts are asked by a publisher to be the creative team on a superhero book. Let's say a six issue miniseries, which superhero or superhero team do you choose? Plot details, et cetera. Um, So, superhero book that we are the creators of. So it's like Heroes Reborn. I'll Is be Rob. Good? I'll be Rob. Daph can be Jim. Vince can be uh, Bill Jemis. Eric. Bill Jemis. <laughs> Will's Potassio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need drinks? How about We're hamburger? Same, I'll get you hamburger. About the same height. <laughs> Thirty-two ounce bitches, big gulp. <laughs> You're going straight to hell for the rest of the place. <laughs> okay, um, so a superhero book that currently isn't in production. Well, he didn't say that. Oh, what, what was the, uh, the specifics again? Which superhero or superhero team do you choose? But we're the creators. Like this isn't one of those. Oh, I would have Grant Morrison write X book drawn by. This is we're the creators. Oh, who? So somebody's drawing it. Yeah. Right. Well, so for mine, Vince is the writer. Pen, uh, I mean, sorry, I'm the writer. Vince is the pencils and the colors, and Dap is the inks and the lettering. On Excalibur. Oh, <laughs> starring shit. Starring Captain Britain and Megan. Of course, can't have an Excalibur book without Captain of Britain and Megan. Domino, because it's my fucking book. Domino's going to be in it. <laughs> She's going to Britain, dude. What was Kate Pride doing in Britain? Banging older dudes. Pete Wisdom. Um, Blue Furred Beast. My girl Blink. 
because it's my book. Uh, no Brits over there, except for Britain. Dude, what Brits were next to <laughs> Brits? What Brits? Well, at least Nightcrawler is European. Shit, he's German, dude. That makes he's sense. from over there. Oh my god, that makes no sense. <laughs> he's from over there. <laughs> uh, Madrix. What? And and Rachel Summers. This is one of his multiples to be British. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be so lit. You can't have an Excalibur book without Captain Britain. Uh, yeah, I right, said he's Captain got Britain, that. Megan. He's got Captain dude. Britain and Megan. Oh, you did? Yeah, right no, no Nightcrawler? No. Maybe nice from over there. He and Kitty are in uh, X Men Red right now. Okay, so who's the major villain? Of the first arc? Yeah. <laughs> it's a six issue miniseries. Dude, Nanny. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Look yep. at Nanny. <laughs> Nanny, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. I like that. Oh, shit. Wow. How about y'all? Hmm. Dead silence. Good yeah. radio. Because there's so many things I would love to do. Well, speak on it. Okay, I get to pick the creative team. No, the creative team is us. <laughs> Why am I not getting this? You get to assign what we each do for the book. Oh, okay. But we're making the book. All right, we're making the book. Okay. Well, I'm drawing it. <laughs> You're struggling. Yes, of course. Yes. I'm, dr- I'm drawing it. And because of the characters, Jason is writing it. But it's a co-creator. David's writing it as well because Ooh. I would love to do a book. Hawk and Dove. No. The new Fantastic Four. Because oh. it has Wolverine, Ghost Rider, oh, Hulk, no. the Hulk, and Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. J- Jason gets to write Ghost R- No, Jason gets to write Wolverine and Ghost Rider. David has to write Spider-Man and the Hulk. So it's like a... It's like... Um, it's like an evolution. It's like he, an Avengers No Surrender. Right, and, and, you, and you won't be able to tell who's writing who. And I, get to, I love it. and I get to draw it. I love it. The best creative team since 52. <laughs> fucking, fucking lit. So it's, it's going to be a Spider-Man book? I'm shocked. Well, sure. Right? He, he'll be the leader. Uh, I'm the editor. <laughs> uh, Vince is drawing, of course. Um, I'm plotting it, but Jason's writing it. Nice. Scripter. Right. Um, and, uh, and he's coloring it since he's got the um, paint.net. And I'll. Um... <laughs> oh my God. Whoa. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Letter it with, uh, with WordPad. But we have. Um... Can you make the logo with Print Shop? That's it. MS Paint. Like an answer sketch. 
Dot matrix. We have to do it all in ASCII. There we go, like shatter. <laughs> Holy Perfect. Christ. Oh my god. That'd Sounds like we're a winner. But but if you get six issues, I have to worry about it getting cancelled. If we could put together a dream team on any title we want. Let's talk about that next week because it might be a question. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Shut my ass down. All right. Hey, oh, I everybody. saved it. I saved it. You did. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, once again, this episode has <laughs> been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get all your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a teeny tiny fraction of the retail price. Remember, Amazing Spider Man number 800, 100 pages, four ninety nine. DC Nation number zero will cost you a paltry 12 cents. And Red Sonia Tarzan, number one, Gail Simone, Walter Giovanni, $1.99. In your travels. As Jason mentioned before, I talked about this book. Well, the first volume of this book three months ago. Is that what you said? Mm Mm-hmm. I recently had the absolute joy of reading Devilman Grimore, that's Devilman G, Volume 2, from Seven Seas, written by the legend himself, Gonagai, and uh, art by Rui Takado. It's much, much more of the same that uh, I talked about Volume 1. It's um, Akira in the guise of Amon, the devil man. The majority of the supporting cast are all female. For very good reason. Because everybody in this book gets naked. It's just... Now, is this the... I'm hmm. sorry. I was just going to ask, is this the same thing that this Netflix show is based on? It's the same character. It's not the same storyline. Okay. But... Anything you've seen on Netflix will be familiar territory in this book. But if if you are um, of delicate sensibilities, this is not the book for you. Wall-to-wall nudity on every page. Um, in the beginning, you have three women that are impregnated with feathers from Serene who is the uh, arch nemesis of Devil Man. And they get naked and turn into, um, as I mentioned, the the various factions that are in service to the the Serene. you got the Harpies and the Gorgons and the Bestia. They're after this young girl who happened to summon Serene. And Serene can't be at the height of her powers without the young girl. So she wants her. And... Uh, Akira and um, Mickey step in. Uh, Mickey, if you remember, is the one who has the purported ring of Solomon. And she uh, she fancies herself a magic user. And, of course, Akira is infused with the... Uh, who's possessed by the form of Amon, the devil man. It's just constant nudity, constant violence. Um characters take baths together characters are disrobed characters are are chained in 
bondage gear. Um, Serene herself is is nude. It's just it's nudity and violence on every freaking page. Now, if that floats Sounds your boat, amazing. no, it's 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 beautifully drawn though. I mean, the the figure yeah. drawing is impeccable. The uh, the characters are, are the character design is. I think Devil Man's among one of the best design characters ever, and um, mm-hmm. one of the uh, girls that is impregnated with the uh, the feather of Serene. She uh, she does something that could reveal the the whereabouts of her uh, master, and the, she becomes pregnant. A bird's claw erupts from her nether region. the The talon of a bird comes out of her her VJ. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nice. And 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 proceeds to um, rip open her stomach, and it's just freaking disturbing. Um, like I said, it's it's done in a fairly cute style. Um, you got the big eyed uh, manga approach, but it's really visceral. Like this is dirty, dirty stuff. Um, and oddly enough. Pubic hair is is drawn. It's something that you don't normally see mm-hmm. in in, uh, in in nudity when when rendered by Japanese artists. Mm. But uh, there you go. Uh, extremely bloody, extremely violent, massive nudity, um, uh, very titillating, uh, sometimes disturbingly so. Because mm-hmm. um, the girl that summoned uh, Serene is very young, let's just say. But um, uh, one could do a, a psychoanalysis of the Japanese um, mode of thinking and, and just come away just very shaken, I guess. But uh, it's all in here. Devilman Grimori, Volume 2 from Seven Seas. I wholeheartedly recommend it because I'm a... I'm a disgusting person. (laughs) So there you go. It's raw. It's very raw. Maybe he likes it raw. And I I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. In your travels, I'm not going to say Kingdom Come. You have, there are a couple of um, image books that were out today. Um, Deadly Class returned. Mm-hmm. I flipped through verses, uh, but I did read the first issue of the uh, the new Rich Tommaso series, Dry County, uh, a Lou Rossi comic, and it is quite different than. Um, spy seal because there are actual people well, human folk comic book people in this story uh, but it takes place in Florida um, just think Miami Vice so 
you got that color scheme kind of going for it. It's a um, loose kind of down on his luck somewhat. Um, meets a girl, but girl is with another guy. Can't stop thinking about this girl. Um, Lou's telling you the story. It's it's uh, the way it's narrated. He's he, everything you're reading about his day is written on yellow lined notebook paper. Um, so I like that feel of it. But the I wasn't sure really what to expect. Uh, the subtitle is a um, the Everyman Crime Series. There hasn't been any real crime yet. Uh, I don't know if that means something might happen in the second issue. Um, Lou might be moved to do something to someone for someone. But I, I dug it quite a bit. It, whereas Spice was very densely packed with panels and, and detail in those panels. This is a lot looser. It's, um, it's, I, I don't know how, um, I don't know how it would compare to, uh, to Dark Corridor. Um, I think the drawing is, is, is more similar to that than, uh, than Spy Seal. I, I never read She-Wolf, so I can't comment on that, but I, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed just about everything about this issue, um, except Lou spends a little bit of time throwing up after having a burger that his friend made. Uh, and then here's arguing on the roof of his building, runs up to find out what's going on and ends up, ends up kissing a girl. And I don't know, I, that's just something that I find very hard to do and and want to see after someone um throwing up but hey I, I mean but vince likes it raw so he'd probably get a kick out of the last page but uh the the the, the line work is um is clean it's it's somewhat cartoony but uh i i gave it a shot because of uh because of spy seal and Rich is going to be at Heroes, so um, I'll be able to thank him for um, for the stories he's done that I've uh, that I've enjoyed. But yeah, I, I would definitely um, recommend Dry County if you're looking for something a little different. Nice. Um, in your travels, I read a book that was sitting on my shelves for a long time, and the the fact that it was turned into a TV show um, made me remember that I had the book and thought, oh, let me see what this is all about. And that is um, by Fantagraphics, written and drawn by uh, Charles Foreman, a.k.a. Chuck Foreman, who, much like uh, Tommaso, will be uh, at Heroes Con. Um, and this is his debut graphic novel from a few years back, The End of the Fucking World, T-E-O-T-F-W, uh, more affectionately known. Um, so I, um, I, I, let me say I enjoyed the book. I think it's an incredibly fast read. 
Um, I, I, I don't think the book deserves the praise that the comics journals of the world heaped upon it. Um, I think it's fine, but I also think it's a bit too clever for its own good. I, I, I think that, um, let me take a step back. The story is, is about, uh, a young man who, um, his name is James and, and his girlfriend, Alyssa. And we are quickly introduced to the fact that James is a straight up sociopath. He's incapable of feeling emotion. Um, and this has been since he was a child. They, they show him as a child doing disturbing things so much so that I'm quite confident. This is not a book that David would enjoy. Um, the quote, I'll just leave you with the quote. When I was 13 and a half, I found a cat in the woods. I smashed its body with a stone. After that, I killed more animals. I remember them all. Um, and he's, he does this to feel or to try to feel. He puts his hand in a meat grinder to try and feel. So Chuck's basically saying, look, this kid's fucked up. And I get it. And that's fine. And then he meets Alyssa, who is fucked up in her own right. And she falls for him. And they essentially become Bonnie and Clyde or attempt to. They break into uh, an empty mansion and just so happens that uh, the owner of the mansion returns and he's not a normal dude. He's actually a sadomasochist in his own right and a murderer. And his wife happens to be the sheriff and she happens to be a a sadomasochist. So it's just all very clever and and unrealistic, but not with any, like this is a book where frankly I would have liked it a lot more if it was completely over the top. I mean, if you're going to go this route, then just give me sick depravity. Like, make me feel in my gut how fucked up these people are. Um, And he doesn't go that far. And I'd said to Vince in passing, because I I want to know if he had read it, um, that I I was done reading with this, and I came away thinking, you know, it was was fine for what it was, but but honestly, it's it's the very bearish, uh, like, carapace of what straight bullets actually is, you know, straight bullets, I think is a masterpiece of showing us the most fucked up parts of humanity and making us feel it and making us feel sick about it. But it being such a compelling narrative that we can't wait to come back for more. And this doesn't do that. This, this, we, we, we get a glimpse into their lives and then it's over and it's fine that it's over. So I, I'm genuinely surprised this was turned into a TV show. Um, it got pretty good reviews. It's a, it was a British show that they, uh, I think it's ported over to Netflix now. Um, I'm going to give the show a try just because, you know, maybe if, if maybe the show will be what I thought the book should be and that it's, it's more robust and rounded out. Um, but yeah, I mean, so um, Forsman seems to have grown in stature in the indie world. Uh, I admittedly don't know much more about his career. I know he did that snake oil, a uh, bunch of mini comics before this book. Um, so, uh, I'll leave the broader declaration of Forsman as a creator to uh, those more qualified to weigh in there. Maybe Vince has an opinion, maybe not. Um, but uh, this book was was it was good, but it it wasn't great. I, I would say it's a little overhyped. You may be right. It's been a while since I've read it, but mm-hmm. I I remember enjoying it, and um, it was definitely far different than anything else i i read at the time mm-hmm. so that may be where my uh my fascination uh stemmed mm-hmm. so i don't know i'd have to i have it i i i'll just read it again 
It's a really fast read. I think I read it, it like is. a half hour. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's a small footprint yeah. too. So it's a tiny yeah. little book. But now it's a hardcover. Mine is mm-hmm. not. Mine's a oh okay, a soft cover thing. Mm-hmm. But I'll read it again. I I did enjoy it. I did not see the Netflix uh, joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I didn't want to say I didn't like it or I wouldn't have made it in my in my travels. I just I didn't think it was it was great. Sure. If anything, it it made me want to go and catch up on Stray Bullets because I I have read some Stray Bullets. Um, but I certainly have a lot more to go. So there's a lot of strange, strange cats and stray bullets. Yeah. And there is a stray bullets trade offered this month that collects eight issues of sunshine and roses. And it's only 10 bucks. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's stray bullets, Uber Alice, uh, Oh, Omnibus man. is great. Yeah. That's everything. Mm-hmm. Up until... Well, it's everything up until this new stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And it's only $35. It's not super expensive. Yep. But one of the things with Stray Bullets, and um, I compare it to Cerebus, a large part of the enjoyment from the original run of Stray Bullets is the letters pages. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're in the Uber Alice issue... Uh, volume the letters pages are great nice yeah so there you go all right another marathon episode you guys are are getting a lot this month spoiled rotten and you're spoiling us and keep doing it we want to do eight of these a month um (laughs) so we we being the operative word yes uh you know the drill come back very soon because one of the three of us gets very, very untoward. If you're not here, you don't want him to be untoward, do you? No, you don't no. want to see Vince like that on the Slack. No. So, in the meantime, say goodnight. <laughs> David. Good night. You're doing it in your head, aren't you? David, nice. you know, little, little, nice little thing and everything. Yeah, that you sang on. I'm just, just being lovey-dovey. That's all. Come back, people. We miss you when you're not here. We'll have some beverages waiting for you and some good comic talk, hopefully. So uh, just come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we got to be here, you should be here. It's true. Jason, tell them to come back. Please come back. There you go. Please don't go. Baby, please don't go. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride.
he gets high on you. When the space he invades, he gets by.